of all Champions League goalkeepers I've seen, and Carrius included, what about the fellow in the goal for Villarreal? Carrius included is the worst thing any Liverpool <laughs> fan can say. That's the harshest. Well, Carrius was hopeless, wasn't he? OTB AM, live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 7.30, Friday morning. Very uh, Good morning to you. Welcome along to OTBM. Adrian with you. Owen, how are you doing? Very well, Adrian. What's the crack? Colm, good morning to you. Lads, how are we? How's the coffee? It's actually water. I finished my coffee. Oh. I'm back to two coffees a day, though. Right. With this one, new, new gig. One first, thing, one first thing, and then would you be a bit of a pack any man who likes to get the one drink coffee after 12 o'clock? Pack any is the first man who spoke to me when I started in this job. Uh, three years ago, he was the, he was brave. He, he was the only man who came out. I was in the kitchen, ready for coffee, and who was there but Mister Kenny himself? And he does like a little. We had small talk over coffee. What, what had... did he talk about? Coffee. Oh, sorry, the subject was coffee. The actual subject was coffee while we were waiting for the coffee, and I never never forget that. Like, there was no sign of Adrian Barry. Owen Shane kept his head down, but Pat Kenny came over and introduced himself and welcomed me. That's pretty true to form in all of our personalities. I think. Well, I... it said so much about. Off the ball and news talk at large. No, I think it says a lot about Pat Kenny. Yeah, yeah. the type of people that they attract. I've had great conversations with, with him about the milk to coffee ratio. You can only imagine how probably hear us like right now. He's just outside there. We, we should bring in on, of course, our our, our resident Pat Kenny <laughs> today uh, correspondent. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You can hear me later on shooting the breeze. Uh, we've a lot to get to, um, and we've a packed show as always. But the first thing I wanted to touch on, we're not going to linger on it. But uh, West Ham's exit from the Europa League last night, and I do note that they were like been spoken about. And we'll talk about the media. We love nothing the media love more than talking about the media. We talk a bit more about that, particularly in the context of the BT coverage of the Man City game during the week. But everybody was saying that West Ham, oh, their name was when well, the name was on the trophy, and they might have bought into that a little bit themselves. But David Moy's actions uh, during and after the game last night were. Uh, People may not be overly familiar with it, but uh, it was about 15 minutes to go in the game and he was urgently trying to get the ball back and uh, ball boy uh, delayed throwing it back to him and then, as he said afterwards, left a chart and then Moyes volleys the ball back in the direction of the ball boy. Now misses him, happily for all, but gets a red card and storms off. And then in the press conference afterwards, sort of apologises for it while adding in, well, it was coming at me on the volley. Now, he didn't break a smile, but I mean, he's trying to crack a gag. And I just thought it was poor form. If you're going to get a red card for that and you're going to apologise for something, then don't try and add in the joke for somebody, of course, who has a bit of form in this area um, over the last little while with stuff, obviously the Kurt Zuma cat stuff. Um, and then uh, people are familiar, it was about six, five, six years ago where he had uh, threatened a female reporter from the BBC, I think, that um, with physical violence basically after after an interview that he didn't uh, appreciate a question. Um, and he's building up a bit of a reputation for himself, uh, including when asked about the Aaron Cresswell sending off, which I don't know if people saw, but he was it was, without going into the detail of it, a fairly stonewall red card, which everybody seemed to accept. Except for David Moyes, who said about the sending off, well, he was he made the referee make a decision. Like, co managers, do you remember Pep uh, about, was it five or six weeks ago, was talking about Kyle Walker? Do you remember that? And he was saying, he was fuming with Kyle Walker and saying, mm. this is, you know, Kyle Walker should have known better. Can you not just, you don't need to be like thrown or create conflict with your player, but could you not just come out and go, ah, oh, yeah, it was a sending off and he shouldn't have done it? In like, uh, David Moyes' defence, well, possible defence here. In that uh, Pep Guardiola Kyle Walker example, had Manchester City won the match? Yeah, this but this was not a few weeks ago. This was before Christmas. This is the last stage of the group stage of the Champions League, wasn't so, it? Oh yeah. So my my argument is is it uh, a bit easier to be magnanimous when uh, you've won? Whereas Moyes, you know, 
really believe that West Ham could get to the final and he's just absolutely furious here and he wants to defend his players as best he can. He's quite defensive anyway ever since the Manchester United stint. He's quite defensive when he talks to the media. And also, I think it was the stupidity of the, the Walker red card and also uh, you've got next man up uh, with regards to Manchester City who's probably going to be uh, just, that, well, I say that now, the Kyle Walker's absence after a while the other night possibly cost him. I was going to say next man up is just going to be just as good compared to, say, who the next man up would be for Cresswell for West Ham. I don't know, I think that part of it is understandable. It's he is the West Ham manager, West Ham player gets sent off, you're going to be annoyed. I don't think that's... I think he could be annoyed by also accepting. At what point does he not accept... It was a very obvious red card. Very obvious red card. Like, at what point do you just say... At what point do you not have to put your hands up and just go, listen? Probably probably today, tomorrow, when he actually gets <laughs> over it. Like, that's probably the stage he gets to. Like, we got to accept that, like, these are uh, heated situations that managers are in in the aftermath of... Uh, football matches like like this was a huge huge night for Matt, for West Ham a huge night for David Moyes in a, a couple of seasons that have been really positive for him getting to the Europa League final would have been massive for yeah. David Moyes and like he's he's obviously you know he, he's in sour form after that as yeah. as a lot of people would have been but just on Moyes um, much maligned obviously until this second West Ham stint and I remember at the start uh, of this, his second reign I think it was his unveiling press conference uh, when he described himself as a serial winner. And he said, that's what I do, I win. And everybody laughed. And so we were probably in here the next morning talking about that at the top of the show, about mm-hmm. how dare this guy say that after his first stint at West Ham, Sunderland, Real Sociedad, so on, and Manchester United, of course. But, you know, I think we're all in agreement that he's done an absolutely phenomenal job and hasn't helped himself with the, the Kurt Zuma cats that, you know, playing Zuma immediately afterwards and saying, well, he's one of our best defenders, so he has to play and totally ignoring the, the issue at hand. And then last night, you know, smacking the ball point blank range of the ball boy um, so you know th- that kind of turns you against him a bit but I have to say like I felt very sorry for him at what happened at United don't think he should have got the job in the first place but he, he spent a whole decade just receiving constant abuse he's also a bit deluded but yeah. I mean to be fair operating at that level you probably need to be have a little bit of delusion don't I you? I have mixed like, feelings about him yeah I, I can see both sides of the argument about Mize. Um One of the other things was the we didn't get a huge amount of time to talk about it yesterday the Man City fallout I suppose and uh, you know talking to people through the day yesterday on various calls and you know the hot topic of where you watched them like what platform you were watching the game on and like how that coverage went but the thing that like sort of jumped out to me was the the I was watching on BT I purely wanted to hear the English commentary of the English game to see you know what the reaction would be and it wasn't it was grand like I mean there were 20-30 minutes out that were talking about City fans needing to get on get in line and book their tickets because there's going to be a rush out of the north of England and you need to you need to get your tickets booked um, but yeah 88 minutes uh, Darren Fletcher said um, you know the Madrid fans around us are leaving. Now he wasn't saying it by way of isn't this um, sort of disgraceful or whatever. It was saying by they were all very accepting that that uh, City were going to win the game, and I just felt that uh, you know at that point there was two minutes of normal time left. There was whatever the referee was going to add on, right? Like at least three, four minutes. There was and it was six minutes in the end, something like that. There was in my mind at that point at least six minutes of all the teams that you could possibly support in any code on the planet. If you're a Real Madrid fan and there's six minutes of time left, you've got to get two goals. Sit tight. There is really no requirement to be leaving the stadium. Of like, you know, uh, I was at the All Ireland final last year, and you know there was plenty of Mayo fans streaming out before the end. I sort of I, I wouldn't do it myself, but I do understand some of that. The game was over and you ain't coming back. And traffic is worse in Dublin compared and to traffic Madrid, is famously. Bad. <laughs> famously yeah. around from Condra. It's bad, but I just thought, oh lads, like sit tight. 
Sit tight. Yeah. Madrid, if you've been supporting, if you've been watching your team at all for any period of time, there's a chance they might score here. Uh, I play to have as advocate for the Real Madrid fans. Um, Champions League, holy grail for them, obviously, right? No debate there. They won the league title at a canter, no problem. Great stuff for Carlo Ancelotti, winning in all five big leagues, brilliant. But really, the fans care about the Champions League. Up until the 90th minute and Rodrigo's first goal, they hadn't had a shot in target. I guess a lot of the Madrid fans were like, F this. I'm gone. This has been an absolutely disastrous night. Oof. Having said that, leaving with minutes to spare in the Champions League semi-final second leg, it must be a pretty luxurious life if you have that option that you were like, oh, I'm just going to leave. Uh, you know, this isn't for me. This isn't entertaining me enough. The, Not enough content. The, the video outside the ground I just spotted there, obviously marker. And I think a couple of other platforms in Spain were videoing the fans trying to get back in and somebody's putting their subtitles on it. And one of the guys was like, I spent 250 euro on a ticket. I'm from Barcelona and I make a one trip to the Bernabeu every year. Uh, like, I mean, if you're, if you are that person, I guess leaving is probably not a wise move. But I, I applaud these people for knowing that there's cameras around them <laughs> and still having, you know, the gumption to walk back up to the stewards and beg to get back in. If I'd walked out, I would have kept the head down, keep walking towards the train station oh. or towards my well, you car. You couldn't walk back to your seat, could you? Imagine the, Imagine the embarrassment of that. Not. I would stand in the concourse and peek out. Fletch, um, Fletch, as I'm now calling him, did uh, did point out a little bit later on that some fans had gone back, to, had seemed to have come back into the ground, come back into their seats. Like, had they reached the bowels? Some of them reached the bowels of the stadium and suddenly heard this like guttural roar and thought, "Oof!" What, what Once you leave, you can't come back. Yeah, but well, they hadn't left the, the stadium. Oh yeah, so they were just about to step yeah. out. A lot of them heard this came back around. I'm yeah. sure, yeah, was, I'm sure it was a good few. There was a prominent fan who was sitting on the footpath, and he played the role beautifully, perfectly of he's devastated, the devastated fan. Mm. He was absolutely brilliant, and there were strewn cans and cups around them, like that set, that scene of Father Ted mm. when they're practicing for the song for Europe, and like he played the role of Ted. Once you walk out that door, was. it makes it hard to celebrate the win. <laughs> doesn't it like if oh, you yeah, put you're, yourself in the, you're, you're well, because you're devastated at having walked out that's a, that you've, you've created a, a bad story for you for life what about the people half time uh, May 2005 Istanbul yeah what about those people who walked away traffic in Istanbul is very bad though like I mean if you want to get back to Liverpool but uh, like so what's the first thing you think if like your team has a massive success and you're not there is God, I wish I was there or say with Katie Taylor on Saturday night I wish that's I was right. there the only yeah. thing that could make that worse is I was there, <laughs> and I left. but I missed a good bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you a man for leaving early, Adrian? I'm I'd not, say I'm you not. are. No, I'm not. You I'm definitely. Not. You definitely I, have I feel like you have better who, things to be doing. Yes, I have scar tissue. You're a man of content. You are. Yeah. You are scared, an early leaver. I'm scared. The only reason I believe in is that you know the few glasses of red wine and I'm and I'm looking to get a top up somewhere. And generally, Leinster have beaten the opposition at the gap, and it's like this is done anyway. Is that what we're saying here? And it's um, hard to get a cheese board. It is very hard stadium. to get a cheese board. I have scar tissue from as a kid when. Uh, my dad so we'd go to Crow Park being from Westmead there wasn't a hu- ever a huge amount of reason to go to Crow Park to support our own country like twice. but having parents from Galway and Mayo you got plenty of opportunity to go up and support various teams and was at like epic games and like lots of games my, my dad would have had like a 10 year ticket so you'd be going in rotation on a fairly regular basis and we were absolutely that family with the uh, can of sweet tea outside and the uh, sandwiches wrapped up in the tinfoil we were absolutely that team and we were in Half an hour. We were like, we would be one of the first people queuing at the gate when they opened the gates. And like, I'm old enough to be one of those that was like thrown over the turnstiles type of an effort. And, and it was like a glorious experience in, in hindsight. And I never, there was never any great whinging or, or roaring about it. So we'd be there like, you could be there 45 minutes before the minor game started. I remember meeting Michal O'Hare 
uh, we were there that early one day. It would have been after his he retired, the slight tangent here, after he'd retired and he was sat in the stand before the games began and my father was like, here, come on over and meet, I fell over here to meet you and my dad would be kind of like that anyway so I just thought, oh, here's some... Who's this fella? Like, what, what am I doing here? And that was me all O'Hare. If only sat soaking now. up the atmosphere in the game, I know he'd be like, what an embarrassment uh, he is to, the, <laughs> to my industry. Um, but, yeah, so we would do that. We would then leave, and I'm not exaggerating here, with a, on a regular basis, 10 or 15 minutes into the second half. And to, that would be considered to, a good day out. To beat the traffic. Mm. There would never be... I'm fairly I'm fairly sure... I'd have to talk... I must ask him about it. I'm fairly sure my brother missed the uh, Seamus Derby goal, <sighs> having gone home. Like... I, but but can I just say as well, there was never any sense watching the Sunday game back or whatever it might have been, talking about it the week after. Nobody ever went, oh, it wasn't that terrible that we missed that thing. Like, my father would still tell you about, like, the great escape that he made from Crow Park on numerous occasions to get to the beat traffic the traffic equals All-Ireland victory yeah. wow so, so sorry the point being no I don't I, I, this isn't a hard and fast rule but where at all possible I will stay until the end imagine that in the modern day uh, two counties and somebody shows up not even from those counties takes a genuine fan's ticket and doesn't even stay till the end still the most like a genuine, a, a genuine, genuine Offaly man yeah. or woman was left outside that's the yeah. stadium. Well, no, my father had like a 10-year ticket or whatever, so we were legitimate Sorry, to be there. He, was, he had a bigger commitment to, to this than, you know, the Johnny come Lately's that you're talking about on that, you know, don't turn up for the league. Not even there at the early stage, it's a championship, so yeah, I don't ne- feel never bad that early is, I think it's... I think it's a good lesson. What would you... The only time I left early was just because uh, we were in uh, Portugal at a Benfica game and we kind of realised too late that the beer was not alcoholic. So we were di- bitterly disappointed. We were like, just have to leave. How long was the lift? Like 45 minutes. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I remember this. Time. This was a... He were, pay, they, 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 he's not giving you the full story here. Didn't pay for the ticket. Do you know, the thing is, Colm, right? The thing so I'll say like about this is, did I get such a reputation here for the for the having the glass of wine and the, the little bit of cheese or whatever? Like, you know. Yeah. Over in the... Like, we're literally in the in the posh seats, the prawn sandwich brigade. We were not in the posh seats. Couldn't even, No, no. Couldn't even hang around for the second half of a Champions League match while being treated to the finest of hospitality. Could no, you imagine? Was, no, we were, I, I, it was like we just done a hard day's work and it was like, you know, we need to... Need to, get into to Do you know when you realised it was non-alcoholic beer? Was that because you just saw it, the, the percentage, or that you just weren't getting any buzz off it for the first half? No, I saw the percentage and, uh, yeah, I think, I can't, I can't quite remember. Was this with colleagues of ours? Yeah. It was, absolutely. Yeah, it was. Oh, I know the crew. And it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't my decision to leave at halftime. I know whose decision it was. Yeah, I yeah. Know exactly <laughs> decision I, was. Yeah, I wouldn't. I've, I've, <laughs> I've kind of been there. trained the other way of being like, leaving early is just a bit of a crime. Um, before we move on, because we need to acknowledge that we've uh, a Cork and a Kerry person in the studio this morning, I must read a couple of the comments. Uh, Dara, and good morning to you, says, to think that Adrian referred to one of his parents' counties as a team of eunuchs just makes it all the more baffling. <laughs> And thank you for Dara for in the grand tradition of OTBM entirely misrepresenting my point. What was said. Here we go. That's wasn't it? Was misrepresenting. Come have on, like a hot key for every time Adrian said it was Oshin Mullen and um, Killian that were out, wasn't it? And the point was that they were missing their two. No, it wasn't. It was. The point was that Mayo are always in and around it like viruses, but never actually. That, that day, that day, that context of that they were, and also. Let me reiterate the point about how warmly thought of Varys is. He's one of the finest characters in the land. Uh, but thanks, Dara, for reminding us of all of that. And then Brian Dillon said that he missed the Brian Murphy goal in 98 for Kildare against Meath in the Leinster final. Last kick of the game. I heard it happen because we just walked up the steps oh. of the Cusack. Had to milk the cows. 
unforgivable. That is, no, that is forgivable. That, like in fairness, would the cows not away? Not, would they be bursting at the seams? Anybody familiar with this area? No. Uh, certainly, that's bursting at the seams. But like, that's why, the problem. Why did Brian? Why did Brian go to the game if the cows had to be milked? Well, I suppose what happened there? Well, it was nineteen ninety eight. So there's no quick text to be like, yeah. Will you, you milk cows? Mm. Match mm. class can't leave. <laughs> But yeah. all of the the game as well. No, I, I can appreciate that. Milk. Cows to be milked is the only acceptable excuse. How, like, is there a big dairy sort of uh, industry in the outer Madrid areas? Is that one of the reasons why there was such an exodus on Wednesday night? Um, we can't, we can't possibly speculate. Um, and then Bren on Twitter says Istanbul was in the middle of nowhere. I'd say only a small handful left at halftime. If it even took yeah. hours to get to the stadium from the city. I, I, I heard one or two stories of Liverpool fans, but I was thinking, yeah, if they're going all the way to Istanbul, like, where are they even going to? Well, that's the thing. Do you know what I mean? At halftime. The nearest pub, I suppose. Um, so a few in here, actually. It's one-way traffic this weekend. Everything goes with form. The, we were just discussing before Gavin Air about the rivalry versus competitiveness, which there doesn't feel to be much at the minute for Cork Kerry. No, I do think it's more. It's going to be more competitive because it's in Parky Rin. Uh, Ronan McCarthy. He was speaking to the examiner, and he thinks that Cork could run him to six points this weekend. And I think if that's the case, I think Cork will be happy enough with that but I also think Kerry are happy enough for this game to be played in so the parking room yeah it, it, <laughs> so but like, how, how can how can you not be like uh, if you're ever actually if you're actually calling this as you see it like I mean they got absolutely done a couple of years ago which is always a danger but I think that that when you're bringing that into proceedings you're kind of thinking to yourself well how, how does that factor into tomorrow and it's like okay well it could possibly be a close game and I think I think that's is that not the best that Cork can hope for maybe not maybe, oh. maybe it will be a famous night and Cork will I remember win. when we debuted uh, the time capsule and off the ball and I'll bring you back to uh, it was November 2020 so yeah. that was a great night oh like I mean yeah. I, I think you were just mentioning I, just, I was just saying just in case you hadn't mentioned yeah. that was great now it, it was. was memorable yeah you remember Luke Connolly skied it mm. the ball was in the air for about 5 or 6 yeah. seconds and then uh, You'll never forget it. ecstasy ensued well, I would have been interested last year in what the turnout at Fitzgerald Stadium would have been had there been no COVID or had there been a full crowd allowed because I find a lot of the talk around this Parky Rin situation and the build up to it has been like one of the arguments that kind of annoyed me was ah, sure nobody cares about this rivalry anymore nobody would show up to the game I'm not actually sure that's true I would have liked to have seen what a turnout in Killarney would have been for this that's not to say that the game should be played in Killarney but I think that maybe people think that this rivalry or this this rivalry is deader than it really is basically competitiveness and rivalry as you said are, mm. are completely different things like if you go back to the last time Cork and Kerry played in Killarney in the championship in a non-Covid year over I think almost 32,000 people showed up that was 2017 Cork finished 4th in Division 2 that year they finished 6th in Division 2 this year they weren't a million miles away so I still think that there is a huge interest in showing up to this fixture there isn't just huge expectation there's no expectation I think from Cork's perspective at all I think the fact that it's played in a ground that they've never played to, uh, against in championship uh, makes this more interesting than it would have been but we can't pretend and say we're overly excited for this as a contest Like it, it, there will be egg on everybody's face if this if Cork win this game there's no question about it What margin of victory would disappoint you as a Kerry fan? Uh, I don't, like I mean, what's the what's the what's the handicap? Like I mean, if Ronan McCarthy's saying six points, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I like, think it's more than that. I think I'd put it at I'd put eight. I think Kerry needs to be targeting a six to eight point man. And you can add on if you want to that, given the source that it's coming from. Are you basically calling out Cork fans for not supporting the team when it's unlikely that they'll win? 
literally the opposite <laughs> thing is what I just said. <laughs> it's like, like almost 32,000 well, people showed up to Clarny when Cork were oh, but a now. Division 2 team. They're still a Division 2 team. They're ju- they finished two places below where they finished in 2017. They're st- they've still just got as much of an outside chance winning the All-Ireland this year as they had in 2017, in my opinion. In fact, I would say they've got a more outside chance, or had a more outside chance in 2017 because Dublin were at the, the peak of their powers at that point. So, no, it's the exact opposite. I think that... I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure what the crowd would Patronizing have been. Well, actually, uh, look, the Honourable Mick Foley was on the show last night with Nathan uh, and Sarah Donovan, and he was saying, look, uh, football, he's very disappointed with the hurlers, but he said football-wise, like, it's okay. The future is actually quite bright in football side. This is kind of the class of the under-20s coming through. Mm. It's a development year, and next year he reckons that they'll be a lot better. There's less concern on the football side than the hurling side. Which is a disaster at the moment. Because I, I, I was looking, like when you, when you kind of chart that rivalry, like I'm not, I'm not sure, Colin, what you think the, the peak of the rivalry would have been. But just because it's 20 years, I was kind of thinking about the 2002 match, which was uh, a two-game saga between Kerry and Cork. Uh, the day uh, Ireland lost to Spain in the World Cup, there was an absolute, uh, it was just a monsoon in Killarney. I think it was eight points apiece between Kerry and Cork. And that had just around 30,000 people at that game. The rain might have been a factor in it. But... They played each other later on that year in Croke Park in the Ireland semi-final. These were two of the best teams in the country. And still in 2017, you had more people show up for a Kerry Cork game and one of those teams was not a contender at all. So I, I just, sorry, the overall point in a very long-winded way is that I think this rivalry and the interest in it is, is more alive than people think. And I just would have been interested to see what the non-COVID reaction would have been last year after Mark Keane's knock-on effect the previous year. Well, Adrian... The, you're actually the person to go to here that match is a bottleneck of great sport on this weekend Saturday evening so you have uh, Munster Toulouse I think just before that is Leicester Leinster's first mm. and then um, if you're of the Manchester United variety they're away to Brighton and Hove Albion at the same time as this Cork Kerry match what would you you have one screen are you watching Cork Kerry do you have any interest in this knowing the fact that this is Not 99% really. certain uh, going sorry, to be a Kerry victory I do you probably, have any interest in this pro- what time is it at? I think it's uh, six, o'clock. six o'clock. Yeah, which is just around no, the time I'll be, that Munster. I'll be watching then. the rugby. No, Munster's on at four. Oh, is it Leinster on at the same time? Uh, uh, there is a way to find out, but the, there's a bottleneck. Yeah, Le- Leinster's, on. Leinster's on at the same time. Leinster's oh, that's okay, so Leinster's that's you gone. All right, yeah, that will be me gone. In, in, undefinitely, and I'd be, if it was Munster, I'd be watching them as well. Yeah, I mean, how could I think? It's definitely the sort of game that there's a few points in it later on, and you're like, oh, there's a bit of interest there. You might try and second screen, or you might flip over. But no, I think if uh, there was nothing else on, no, I definitely start, watch it. Watch no, it? no question. What? No question. Okay, just to see how much Kerry will win by, is it? Um, I got a... Kenny the dad, good morning to you, Kenny. I got a posh seat freebie at a New York Mets game. I had an electronic panel in front of me that could order beer, pretzels, hot dogs, etc. for free. I left at the bottom of the seventh. Don't know what I missed, and I don't care either. <laughs> uh Bernard Lawless, I was at the England Scotland 30 38, uh, 38 draw, and my friend who was Scottish wanted to leave at 31 5 to England at half time. Never leave early. Mm. I think that's just, it's a good um, good rule of thumb. Yeah, yeah. Right. Sh- sh- shame on you, Adrian. I don't think I've left early. I don't think I have. No, you wouldn't be the sort. You'd be, you'd, well, you, you would you, hate you could if somebody something. caught you leaving early. That would be, no, no, no. Be the act I wouldn't of actually leaving early. Would, be somebody well, seeing you. No one would care if I left early. But uh, you never know what you might see. You know, when the, when the game is dead, actually, it often brings out the best in certain people. Well, one of these many people players. is now coming up to you since you've started appearing here saying, are you your man from off the ball? Uh, you'd, be, you'd, be hate, you'd, hate, you'd hate to be caught on. But I don't think it would ever happen. It might happen for you two. Not for me. 
7.53 it's Friday morning and you're watching RTB AM if you've just joined us welcome along we're uh, chatting all things rivalry at a Cork Kerry obviously this weekend and plenty of the other action as well RTB AM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day uh, here's what's coming up on the show over the course this morning we're going to talk to Breed Stack in a couple of moments time uh, that Cork Kerry game will be top of the agenda there with Breed in just a couple of moments the quick picks then ahead of the weekend we'll have Will and Ashling on the line uh, to John himself and Owen to get stuck into I think we've five matches to uh, make our picks ahead of this weekend uh, the sports pages let you know what's happening there at 25 to 9 this morning the sports news at 20 to 9 Ronan Agar live on the line from La Rochelle at 10 to 9 this morning and unbelievably interesting weekend obviously of Heineken Champions Cup action and events at Munster as well so plenty uh, to talk to Ronan about and as I said he is live so if you have any thoughts or questions for him ahead of that slot do fire them into us live crappy quiz uh, myself versus Will versus Mick uh, Nathan is not back no Mick won it last week he's back to defend his crown at uh, 10 past 9 weird rounds I'm assured uh, coming away again and then as uh, Cole mentioned uh, some Cork GA chat from the show last night at half past 9 this morning so that is what is coming away do get in contact with us wherever it is you're consuming us this morning uh, up next as I said we're going to be talking to the Cork legend Breed Stack to talk football first of all Mick Foley and why the Cork hurlers simply don't work enough this is the thing as well with Cork, and I'm not making excuses for them, but uh, like you know, there was a little bit of a, a bit of a kerfuffle about Cork, uh, not you know the All Star situation last year with Cork, and you know they probably they probably didn't benefit from playing Limerick so often last year, you know, and to start off again then against Limerick this time round. Um, on one level, it was a good yardstick to see where they were at compared to last year. But on another level, if it went wrong like it did, it really throws them back. But I do think there's one more issue to that physicality aspect and it's connected to another issue around Cork which would be work rate I would be fairly confident in saying that there are a number of players on that panel that just are not putting it in physically they're not doing the work and that's not to say you know you know they should be pilloried for that they they've seem to have made a choice that they're just not going to put it in and Mick when you say that because look that in a way is as big a criticism as big an accusation you can make around any player when you say the work rate do you feel that's in the off season in training sessions, or do you feel it's just when they get on the pitch? Well, I know that there, I know that there are a couple of players that they have to work extremely hard on to get them to do the physical work, the, like basically the gym stuff. Mm. You know, I mean, you, all you have to do is you know take off your top, take off your top, you know, and let's have you know stand them up beside a Limerick guy, and you'll see, you know, um, and I mean. Unfortunately, it's it. There are a couple like that that just have not put in the work. And is that is that not a failure of coaching? In that, if there's players like that, why are they in the squad? I think you can put together all the structures in the world. You can put the best coaches in there in the world. If a player has decided that he's going to do so much but not everything, what are you going to do? And there's a lot of guys. I mean, and this is you know you can you, you can play around with it all you want, but there was a lot of talk in within Cork and beyond Cork that it was a number of guys playing for their their careers in the last couple of matches and you see the outcome. So there is clearly an issue there around uh, the, I suppose, the, the, the attitude within the squad, within, the, that's what I'm talking about, leadership. The leadership within the playing group and then the ability of the management to connect with the players, to bring the whole thing together. And again, I mean, you say it's a big criticism. It's a criticism. I don't think it's unfair. I mean, one of the things that has been said about you know, over the previous two games is that they're just getting blown out of it, mm. you know? I mean, there's been criticism of them struggling on their puck outs. There's been criticism of not putting the work... Like, work rate is not just a thing this year. I mean, there's been statistical analyses done 
over the last bunch of years to show that show that Cork of the elite counties playing the Liam McCarthy Championship are among the teams that are at the, at the lower end of that scale. Good stuff there from McFoley, the Sunday Times last night, talking about the malaise of Cork hurling as they look set to miss out on getting out of uh, the Munster group in the hurling championship this year. Uh, it's not been amazing for the footballers either over the last little while. And to that end, we are joined by Cork legend Breed Stack ahead of their game against Kerry tomorrow. Breed, good morning to you. How are you getting on? Uh, is there a, a, more of a, a sense of worry around the small ball or the big ball at the moment when it comes to proceedings in, in Cork GEA? <laughs> well, uh, we'll certainly know after this weekend anyway. But um, yeah, I suppose, look, um, it's probably been a, a, dis- a disappointing, um, you know, Cork hurling outlet there, um, I suppose, the last day. Um, but look, um, you know, you can you can look back at this five-year plan that was projected and... You know, certainly from a football point of view, there's been a bit more positives um, in terms of, I suppose, uh, club success and underage success, um, but definitely a lot more to do in, in from the football side of things. Um, but yeah, look, I suppose, look, the hurlers, the hurlers always get a massive following, always get a huge, you know, there's always, um, I suppose, great excitement that, you know, this could be the year. And um, look, unfortunately, they, they just seem to be just that, that pitch below um, at the moment, especially in, in Munster. That five-year plan is interesting. So 2019, they published that hashtag 2024. Yeah. One of the bullet points in that was Cork will be regular All-Ireland contenders in all grades of inter-county football yeah. uh, within three to five years. You'd have to say that that's probably been kicked down the road a little bit. Um, yeah, look, I suppose, look, you have to take the, the club side of things at its merit. Um, there's mm. definitely been massive advancements in, in the club structures and side of things. It's led to massively more competitive Cork structure. Um, which is, you know, it has to be good for the game. Players are playing at the grade that um, that they are at, um, which leads to player retention. It leads to um, player enjoyment. And uh, I suppose it leads to, you know, teams improving um, and a steady improvement. And, you know, maybe we might see it, we maybe might not see it before this five-year plan is up, but certainly, you know, there's great progress happening at club level with Cork. And um, I suppose, look, you just have to look at the at the league, I suppose, debutants there was this year. I know, look, a lot of them were were due to necessity, due to injury, but there was definitely a lot of club players that stepped up. And, you know, that's because they're, you know, playing at a level, um, I suppose, where they're getting seen, getting noticed. They're playing at a level that they're very comfortable at and, um, you know, that they can see improvement in. So from the Cork club structure point of view, it it has been brilliant. And obviously the Bears doing as well as they have. So, mm. um, you know, that's that's obviously a huge plus. Um, the underage obviously has done very well. But I suppose for me, look, there's still just that massive missing link between, you know, the underage stepping up to senior. And um, I suppose you definitely would have to question, you know, physically where Cork are at at the moment. And for me, I just feel like that there is that massive um, missing link between the SNC step up between that underage and and seniors, just in, in even just in comparison to, you know, our intercounty counterparts. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's frightening, you know, how much I suppose even Kerry have advanced even in the last couple of years and that, I suppose there's just not that continuity there at the moment with Cork. That's really interesting because like, that's essentially what Mick Foley was earmarking as one of the, the real problems with, yeah. with Cork hurling at the moment. So it's it's obviously something that if they manage to get this right, it'll benefit both codes. Yeah, and like I said, I just think continuity is a massive thing, especially, I suppose, for young lads trying to bridge that gap. And, you know, in Cork, there's definitely been a lot of doing and froing with different um, S&C coaches over the last couple of years. So I just think... Um, Look, maybe this could be the start, but now with um, Keith Rickon coming in and 
um, you know, hopefully um, getting a bit of momentum going. But I suppose, look, there has been a lot of kind of um, uncertainty and, um, like I said, just lack of consistency for for um, players and managements alike going forward the last couple of years. But um, I suppose you, you, you can only try to look at the positives as much as possible. And, you know, the positives are, look, club structure is going well. Hopefully that obviously spills over onto Intercounty like it did for Derry. Like Derry obviously has um, great club structures and, you know, now they're hopefully reaping the rewards of it. Um, so, you know, I suppose, look, it's we're obviously very impatient and want to see Cork back where they were and want to see this rivalry back where it was. So, um, you know, obviously we, we may just have to wait another couple of years. Uh, that continuity and consistency piece, that was something that Ronan McCarthy touched on in that examiner conversation that yeah. I mentioned earlier on. He said, um, from a Cork point of view, it is time to burn the boats, if I could use that phrase. And he's talking about dual players yeah. here. So he said, the message we gave to players from my time from 2018 on was, if you go, you're not coming back. Like, I mean, that, that's, I mean, that, that seems like a very honourable thing. And like, I mean, you look at someone like uh, Aidan Walsh, for example, who was uh, obviously an all-star in, in 2010, yeah. such an amazing footballer. Uh, to burn that boat, I'd say, is almost easier said than done sometimes if a player of that quality goes to play with the hurlers and then wants to come back to play football. Uh, it, I, I would suggest it would take a brave enough Cork manager to say, no, you're not coming back. But uh, you have to say fair play as well that, that this is the mentality that McCarthy wants to see. Yeah, and look, obviously he, you know, he was um, involved, and he probably had had plenty head scratching going on as well when he was potentially losing players to hurling. And um, I suppose, look, that's the the massive problem that Cork have, you know, as a dual county and um, you know, dual senior county, that it's um, it's very very hard to to make sure that you keep players in one code. Um, obviously, a lot of these lads are playing dual clubs, so you know, you're always going to have a little bit of a grass since you were young, you know, playing both codes. So it's very, very hard sometimes maybe to make that complete cut off in one code. And um, I suppose from the Cork footballer's point of view, maybe the hurling has been that little bit more appealing in the last couple of years. So, you know, you're losing the likes of, you know, Damien Cahillan, who was a fine footballer, um, like Aidan Walsh, who you mentioned, two-time All-Star, lost to hurling. Um, and then I suppose like even more recently, like you just have to look to Mark Keane. Like Mark Keane was playing over in Australia um, you know, was playing uh, a, a variation, obviously, of football over in Australia. And, um, you know, you would have said it would have been a huge addition to Cork coming back this year, but has gone with the hurling and, you know, hasn't seen a lot of hurling or hasn't seen a lot of game time for the hurlers. So, you know, you're, 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 always, you're always going to be picking from a more diluted pool of players that way when you're, when you're fighting two codes. It almost feels pretty like some of the stuff you're talking about there, the S&C side, and then the likes of that uh, piece, obviously, about marking that like a lot of it is not actually deep-rooted, fundamental stuff. Uh, and I know that, obviously, getting your S&C right probably should be part of something like an S&C, uh, yeah. a five-year plan. But, like, a lot of it seems like fairly easy wins. Yeah, like, um, yeah, I suppose, in terms of, like, if, just... If, if, they could, if, if, if they could get it right, like, it's not like... They don't need to do an awful lot of navel-gazing here. It's like a couple of things to be done and suddenly yeah. things could start to turn for them. Yeah, 100%. And um, like, as I said, you know, there has been definitely positives of this five-year plan. It was brilliant. It was put in place and it was put in place by the right people. And um, just to, to follow it through, like um, just in the coming years is absolutely vital. Um, you know, there was this, I suppose, vision for what Cork football could be. And, um, you know, have we seen that at the moment? You know, probably not, but it's definitely taking step stones towards it. Um, it's not all doom and gloom, 100%, but um, like Ronan said, maybe there needs to be very, very hard calls made um, 
But for me, I suppose, you know, we're not utilizing the younger players enough. Is that because they're just being absolutely launched into it without massive experienced role models in the senior football camp at the moment? Um, you know, like when you look back to, I suppose, you know, the year that, um, that Cork did in 2010, like you have massive leaders all over that camp. Um, so for me, sometimes there's a lot of uh, chopping and changing with panels in the last couple of years. There's a lot of player turnover, like I said, and that's not just down to the, you know, opting for the hurling code. There's a lot of players opting out. There's obviously been some extensive injuries and there's players being dropped. So there just seems to be a lot of uh, player turnover in the last couple of years. And until you kind of nail down, you know, a consistent team, um, you know, you're going to be under the under the pump. Um, like you just look at Kerry, like their team has been relatively consistent now since they were the new guns on the block in what, 2019, when majority of their team changed and they have been building consistency and like even the physical specimens that they have become in that short space of time. Um, you know, it's it, it's a, a great platform for what can actually be done um, if there's consistency there and there's, you know, I suppose not that much player turnover. But, you know, like even looking back to 2019, you mentioned, or no, 2020, you mentioned there, you know, the I suppose the shock win, the marquee punch goal and everything like that. Um, you know, like you're looking at Paul Kerrigan, um, like I made a list there actually, like it was... Like, I suppose you had Powder first spot in Flying Farm. You had Shanley, Rory Dean, Mark Collins, Mark Keane, Luke Connolly, Paul Kerrigan. That's only two years ago. And, like, that's a massive turnover of players again already. So, like, I just think Cork seems to be a team that are constantly in this massive turnover. And, um, yeah, until, I suppose, you can try to nail down, um, you know, your good cohort and try to bring them forward and develop them as leaders and develop them physically. Um, and hopefully that's what Keith Ricken is going to do. And this year with this with this new cohort, um, you know, going forward. So um, I suppose we just have to be positive and um, look forward to Saturday with uh, a little bit of hope. Does Daryl O'Shea calling the Cork footballers a disgrace make you more or less looking forward to, to this game tomorrow? Like, I don't think it's going to be the absolute whitewash that people are are, are putting, putting forward. I do think it's going to be a lot more competitive than the people think. Like that league team that was out there, was very, very experienced, or very inexperienced, sorry, I mean to say, um, was probably, like, as I said, there was like 15 debutants or something throughout the league. Like, you are getting back a lot of, I suppose, more experienced players. Granted, look, they're not going to have the massive experience that um, that some of the Kerry boys have in terms of, like, high championship-powered um, games. But, you know, you're getting back um, Powder, as we said, Ty Corkery, Brian Hayes, Brian Hartnett. You know, back in training now, you've Killian Hanlon, Liam Donovan, Connor Corbett, David Buckley. So, like, even the standard of training in the last couple of weeks has have to, you know, would 100% have improved by just even have, having these lads back in the mix. Um, so, like, I don't think it's going to be the whitewash that people are forecasting. I definitely think it's going to be a lot more, um, a lot more competitive. But obviously, Cork is still going in as underdogs and they have to play as such. Every single person on that team and every single panel member that potentially has, um, has potential to come on has to know their role and has to play that role to massive effect. And I suppose, look, you can only look to Derry at the weekend versus Tyrone. Like you can, you could see that they were planning for that Tyrone game with with a long time, and every single player in that Derry team knew their role and and played their strengths. And that's what Cork have to do with the weekend. And um, they just have to go in with an absolute, you know, um, I suppose a, a definitely hardened mindset. And like they cannot be lacking any motivation, especially after a twenty two point loss last year. There should be no Cork player on that field that isn't you know, making sure that they are first to every ball because, you know, the desire has to be there and we have to see it from the players. What is the game plan you'd like to see then? Is it a, is it a back to the wall sort of job 
park the bus? Is it is it a little bit more ambitious than that? Or like I guess you, you park your in is a, is a bit of an asset on that front. If that's how you set up, but but how would yeah. you send them out if you were managing them tomorrow? Yeah, well, no, like I suppose, yeah, I was listening to Ron McCarthy actually on that podcast, and like you know, he made a very um, you know a very particular point about um, about the Cork or the the kickouts. You know, like Cork lost seventy five percent of the kickouts last year in that monster clash. Um, so their own, like Kerry absolutely dominated their own kickouts and obviously dominated Cork's kickouts. So, you know, to only have that much um, possession to be trying to work off, that is obviously a massive area that uh, that Cork need to see improvement on. You would hope that Cork have done massive work in that area. Um, now, Ian Maguire obviously is is your mainstay midfielder. Um, like he has loads of wonderful attributes. He's obviously, you know, a serious workhorse and, um, you know, he'll give his all um, for you. Um, but is he the most dominant aerial midfielder in the game? Probably not. Um, and, you know, he's had probably counterparts in and out um, throughout the league. So there hasn't been a um, like a dominant midfield nailed down. Um, but you you don't have the luxury of going short, um, I suppose, on kickouts either, like with this Cork team. Um, you have a generally inexperienced um, backline against, uh, I suppose, a physically stronger, physically experienced um uh, Kerry side. So what do you do? You, like, I would say you would have to go along and that there has to be this um, understanding by every single person in the middle third that, you know, what we're going to try to do as a Cork midfield is we are going to try to bring this ball to ground, get the ball to the deck and make sure that there is massive fight around that middle third um, and then try to use that as obviously as your launch pad. Um, like Cahalamani has been, you know, has probably energised this Cork forward line um, you know, during the league. And, um, you know, you still have, um, obviously Hurley and John O'Rourke doing, doing the, the inexperienced or the experience work. Um, and then obviously, um, Sherlock has proven that he's not just, you know, good from play ball. I think he scored something like five points, um, from play against Offaly. So, you know, there is, there is talent there. Um, but it's a case of, I suppose, playing to our strengths as much as possible, not, um, feeding into Kerry as, uh, as much as we possibly can. Go along and make sure it gets to ground for maybe the first couple of kickouts. If the option um, for the for a very very safe short kick out is on, you know, and just make sure that you're not, um, I suppose, very predictable um, for for the carry team. Kieran Whelan, just on that point, sort of making a um, you've sort of alluded to it a couple of times, Breed. Like almost, are we are we underestimating Cork here? He makes a point in the Irish Independent this morning about like uh, you know Kerry maybe aren't all that either just yet. That there's a bit of proving to be done there, particularly with some of the lesser uh, experienced players. Like if you put that into the mix with the whole stuff about the venue and how. Uh, the players obviously dug their feet in over that and how that can sort of galvanise nothing better to galvanise a Cork team breed than, than a bit of conflict like that are we are we underestimating this is there is there a possibility that we all look a bit like mugs on Sunday evening that there's a Cork could actually do something here or is that do you feel over overstating it um, look like you know Kerry are justifiably going in as, as hot tipped favourites for um, for this game and you couldn't look past them like you know it would be you know, it would be idiotic, really, like looking back on, I suppose, their league performance and um, I suppose on Cork's league's performance, you know, having um, just kind of got the last two wins there versus Down Offaly. Um, Kerry were emphatic during the league and were absolutely dominant um, against Mayo in the league final. Um, and, and to take into the mix then, like you still have the likes of Dave Moore and Paul Murphy, uh, Stefan Cumber and Sean O'Shea to come back into the mix. Like So it's just... Um, like Impressive. it's <laughs> it's a fairly tough read. Like when you're looking at their at their team sheet, but um, 
look, Kerry are on a mission. That's that's very, very obvious. They obviously were very, very hurt by last year and um, probably, you know, felt that, that they didn't do themselves justice. They have started with, you know, absolutely all guns blazing. Um, can I see David Clifford being held scoreless um, this year? Probably not. Um, but, you know, you have to... I suppose you just have to take it at, 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 at I suppose at its merit from a Cork point of view. The league, while it was absolutely um, probably you know didn't go the, the way that they had hoped, um, they were able to bleed a lot more players. They probably more so than Cork have ever bled, um, you know, down through the years. So, like you are generating that little bit more grit at training. You are generating, I suppose, um, that little bit more um, bite coming into this game. As I said, training standards can only have had improved um, since getting all these lads back um, in the mix. And look, it's going to be a more experienced team going out. Um, but I suppose for me, it's definitely, um, you know, carried by by five, six points um, um, at the end, you know. Um, the situation there, when you, when you talk about Kerry as, you know, be, being hurt by last year, like if you're clutching at straws for Kerry at the moment, you could definitely make that case about Kerry last year. And the year before, it kind of feels like this conversation around Kerry, like you could you could copy and paste that that argument to last year and the year before, where it's like they have the players, they clearly yeah. have the quality, but do they have the, the mentality? Yes, you know they were hurt after uh, losing in a in a replay against Dublin in 2019, and then last year it was like oh they were hurt after that shock defeat to Cork last year. Now this I year know. it's they were hurt against Tyrone last year. So if you're looking <laughs> for crumbs of comfort from a Cork perspective, like that mentality bit, that psychological bit, still does have to be answered by Kerry. Yeah, it does. And I think Jack O'Connor is like, obviously, after giving them a, re- a renewed sense of focus as well. And, you know, sometimes um, a change, especially if you're after holding on to a majority of the team, which they have, they've held on to absolutely everyone and brought on, um, you know, a few more. Um, you know, like, I just think like he's he's obviously very, very experienced. He's carried through and through and um, they're obviously fighting very hard for him. So um, for me, like they, they look... Um, I suppose that as, as you know, they look like favourites for the All Ireland at the moment. Um, but yeah, time will tell. And I suppose look, Saturday will be a big um, test of their ambition. Um, are they going to absolutely wipe the floor, or you know, you know, will uh, I suppose Cork poke, poke holes in in um, Kerry? You know, when they maybe not might not be at their at their top mindset because um, look, they would obviously be favoured to come out a monster and and they might feel that they have bigger fish to fry but you know I suppose Saturday is a big test for them um, for the Cork lads probably more so than the Kerry lads and given you know what happened last year um, so look you would just hope that the mindset is very very good on the Cork side um, and look um, I suppose it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Kerry um, are how emphatic they are or you know um, if Cork can can put that pressure on and can I ask then like I, I suspect over the course of this next little while people will be talking about Kerry in a sense of it's now or never that this young team needs to, like, I mean, they're less and less young as years go by, obviously, but that, that they have to win one now, otherwise it just becomes this massive psychological hurdle that they may be incapable of getting over. Is that, is that a thing, Breed? Like, if, if you go a couple of years without winning an All-Ireland, especially without winning your first All-Ireland, that it does become a bigger psychological block than it needs to be? Um, Like, I, I suppose, look, my own experience, that would have been probably looking at the Dublin Lady Footballers and, you know, for years, probably we would have... um. I suppose, just gotten over them, just gotten over them, just gotten over them. And, you know, they were pushing to, to you know, the, the pitch of their collar the whole time. Um, and I suppose, look, held in there, held in there. And look, they got their award after, I think it was three or four, um, you know, all Ireland finals versus us. So, 
Um, like I just think like that this Kerry side, um, I know you're saying that they're shoving on a bit, but like they're, they're still massive, massive youth there. They seem to just find these players the whole time. Like Tony Brosson's come in. Um, like I said, Stefan Cumbar, like we're going to see hopefully what, you know, what he can bring to the table as well. Um, I just, I just feel like that. Yeah. This year is potentially Kerry's year. Um, because Dublin, look, we're, we're seeing flashes of Dublin. Uh, coming back to themselves, um, you know, are they going to be the the absolute world beaters that they were a couple of years ago? You know, that remains to be seen. Um, Tyrone look a little bit on the on the fence, but then look, we we thought they were on the fence last year when Kerry dismantled them down in Killarney, and look what happened then. You know, so uh, you know uh, a shock um, loss to to Derry could be their resurgence. Um, and then look, um, Mayo, I suppose we we always have a bit of a soft spot for Mayo, so. Um, yeah, I just think Kerry. I just, I do, I do think this is their year, probably. And um, when you just look at the team sheet, you look at the probably the new fresh manager after coming in, and um, the emphatic way that they um, got through Division One. Um, so, look, it'll be interesting to see how the next couple of uh, of months go. I was going to ask you if uh, you just before we let you away, you felt there was going to be an upset on the cards of Parnell Park as well. I'm actually not sure that uh, what even represents an upset between uh, Meath and Dublin this weekend. But any thoughts on that? Yeah, like I haven't actually seen too much of me, to be honest. But um, yeah, like uh, I suppose um, probably saw that Kildare definitely are, are going to be pushing hard, and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, I suppose, how how, how me progress. But um, I suppose being over in Australia, I probably missed a couple more matches than yeah. I than I would have liked. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, you're, so look, you're, well, I, I, you're you're back. You're back a wet week, Breed. Is that? That's where you're at <laughs> back a wet week. Back a wet week. Yeah, still waking up in the middle of the night, but your looks is ground out. Um, yeah, look, it, it went grand, thankfully. Um, it went a lot better than the last year anyway, so Absolutely. we can't have any complaints. So, um, yeah, glad to have it under my belt. We'll get you back and have a longer chat about that again down the track. Thanks, Millie, for jumping Perfect. on. Perfect. No matter. Thanks, lads. Thanks Bye. Breed Stack there on the line. Just because all things uh, Cork Kerry. Um, Robbie, good morning to you on YouTube. Waking up after a nightmare and uh, realising that Rangers in the Europa League final, absolutely depressing. Another of the UK teams on flying it. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair play to them. A, a great moment for, for Her Majesty. <laughs> uh, Anthony Ryan says he's from Cork. This is back to the conversation we we're having at the top of the show about leaving games early. What do you? Uh, he says I'm from Cork. First match I left early was a 2007 football final when we ha- we were hammered by Kerry. That's fair enough. You were nodding already there after 2007. Yeah. There's like a little. Yeah, in fairness, like I mean. Yeah, that's fair enough, I think. Why is Cork, the third county by population, so poor at football, hurling and soccer? Asks Fergus Keogh. Good morning to you, Fergus. Um, well, I think Johnny Ward is making the point that the whole point is that they play football, hurling and soccer and that, uh, that one is taking away from the other and from the other and that they just play everything there so they can't possibly compete in, in everything. Yeah. Uh, Dave says, in reply to Fergus, because they're the Mayo of the South, South slash Southwest. Oof. I mean, that's, he's saying that like it's an insult. Like, you wouldn't want to be on here insulting Mayo. Like, it's not, not de rigueur. No, no, it's not. It's not what, it's not what we do on the show. Not Mayo FM. Not what we're about. Uh, 20 past eight, Friday morning, you're watching OTPM. Loads still to come, by the way. Uh, we are going to be joined shortly by uh, Ashling and Will. We're going to get stuck into the list. GA Quick Picks, uh, ahead of a pretty interesting weekend as well. Uh, but next up, John Giles was on with Nathan last night, talking about uh, levels of concern for the future of Leeds on the basis of Jesse Marsh's comments that the 4-0 loss to Man City last weekend felt like a win. 
some of these critics, these pundits. I absolutely adore them, lads. I have unbelievable time from, but they're, they're a great bunch, but it's not acceptable. I'd like to play the hard man when, when they're on it. It's not very pleasant when you're trying to manage a team. All you're looking for is a bit of civility and a bit of decency, but they just dismiss you like, like you, you know, you have nothing to do with the bloody occasion. 25 past 8, GA Quick Picks. Good morning to you, wherever it is you are at this morning. You are watching OTBAM, and we're with you all the way through until 10 o'clock. And myself and Owen are now joined by Will and Ashling. Morning, folks. Morning, lads. Top of the morning. How are we doing? All good? All good now, yeah. Not too bad. I'm told we're going to get our leaderboard in action uh, for next week, so it'll be a great surprise to everybody to see how, uh, the, how this is all trending. How bad would it be? Well, to be fair, Rooney obviously has decided to take some annual leave at a very bad time for him because his stock has never been higher. He should be on here this morning gloating the hell out of it after uh, Derry last weekend. Yeah, big time. I'm annoyed at myself for not for not saying that. I For so long, I had said that Derry are going to show up this year. Like last year, they only lost by a point to Donegal. It was knockout championship. So I was really excited to see them this year. So I'm so annoyed at myself that I didn't back them. There's nothing we love more than a bit of revisionism here, Ashley. Welcome, <laughs> welcome on in. Um, wise after the fact, you've, you've come home. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Westmead, of course, we all went the right direction. Let's linger on that for half a second. How did you leave early? Because they were out of sight. No, I couldn't. I too. I brought the two kids down. It was actually a brilliant experience. Cusick Park needs a bit of work. I will say that to put it mildly, but uh, brilliant experience. I'm just part of me that's a bit gutted that the semi-finals are in Crow Park because I really enjoyed getting out and about um, class experience kids out on the pitch at half time yeah brilliant five year old turns around turns around to me and go myself and the, his sister can we go on the pitch like out milling around loving it pretend football yeah ridiculous Qu- points qu- quintessential GA experience there was, it was such a quintessential GA experience there was no lights in the jacks that looked like they were built in 1950 and hadn't been touched since in any regard. That's what you want, though. That's, that's authenticity right there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd be all for it. Uh, the new plans for Cusick are actually quite nice. Yeah. Uh, when they eventually get completed, they've been fundraising for, God, about 18 months, two years now. COVID kind of came at a wrong time when they were in the middle of fundraisers for it. But when it's completed, it will actually be really nice. I do like the kind of old school charm of it, though. No yeah. matter where you sit in the stand in Cusick, it feels like you're right in on top of the pitch. Um, and on top of each other, Will. In a well, there, there is that <laughs> We parted like it was 1999 sort of way. Yeah, unless you get some of the nice posh plastic seats right in the middle of the stand, you are going to be right beside the person. But hey... Um, if you're dedicated, you're going at six o'clock on a Saturday night in the rain to go and watch Westmead and Longford. And they delivered. I think at this stage, Westmead, if they don't beat Kildare, and they'll obviously be underdogs going into that, felt it coming, coming out of that game last week. Westmead, they've got a very good chance of winning the Talton Cup. And, and were the, the parents that had let their kids go onto the pitch at Westmead Longford last week, were they aware that they were in the company of great coaching genius from Kilcott, <laughs> who had been bussed down from Dublin and was willing to give coaching sessions if required? And Cor- enough? Cork Carey is our first stop that we're going to get to. I think is the only way to reply to that on. And uh, it is Kerry across the board. No great surprise. I don't think, Ashling, there's a Derry-style prediction to be made here. No, I don't think so. Um, I'm really excited to, to see Kerry in this championship. I think in the league they showed signs of real improvement from last year. Like I think one of the biggest things was their defensive system that they needed work on. And in the league, they really showed that's an area that they've been working on. Um, I think the influence of Paddy Talley in there, the intensity that he's brought, and it's sort of what you'd see in Ulster teams. So you can see that influence coming through. So I'm excited to see what they do. I think Cork, look at the minute... 
They look a bit disjointed. They just about stayed up in Division 2. A lot of talk about where the game was going to be played and we obviously know it's perfectly within. So hopefully they can use that to their advantage and put in a performance against Kerry. But I think if Kerry want to make a statement this year that they're, they're going to go the whole way, they'd want to put up a big score against Cork. Yeah, it's just about getting a benchmark, Will, of where this Kerry team are at. Yeah, that's as dismissive of Cork as we can be. Um, look, maybe the fact that this game is in Porky Rin, assistant to breed in the last few minutes, might actually help them in that it kind of focused their build-up going into this game, that they were making 100% sure that they weren't going to have to travel west to play this game, that it was going to be played on Cork soil. But the truth of it is that, you know, Kerry so far this year have shown that they are the best group of players that are in the country. The problem that you have with Kerry is that they've let themselves down with a couple of performances over the last few years. Like, I think they were below par against Tyrone in that semi-final last season. And if anything happens that David Clifford is either marked well, goes out of the game or gets injured, you wonder about whether Kerry can then share around the load enough in a tight game because... You know, we remember Colin brought it up earlier on, the late goal that was scored at Porky Cueve. Personally, I thought when it came to Cork, I would have probably travelled to Killarney and taken two games at Porky Cueve over the next years in this game. But the proof of being the pudding when the game uh, gets underway on Saturday evening. It is unfortunate, though, that this game pretty much clashes with everything else that the Munster fans are probably still going to watch Leinster against Leicester, you would imagine, as opposed to casually watching the game at Porky Rin afterwards, too. But... It should it should really be a very comfortable win for Kerry. You would think, I know Owen was saying, what, six to eight points? I think minimum eight points Kerry should be targeting. Uh, Twelve is the spread. Right. The last yeah, thing you want to be doing is throwing in a, another scheduling issue into the mix for this fixture, given everything that's going on. But it is fairly bizarre conflict that it seems a bit needless. Yeah, maybe. Like I know, Will, you've got thoughts on this, but like... Um, for, for me, it's not not like the, the scheduling is, is is a separate thing. But like for me, it just feels, and I know Cork carries its own separate entity of you know a lack of expectation at the moment, and it's kind of like a dour enough weekend of fixtures, especially just with like a lack of good yeah. uh, hurling fixtures this weekend. But it just kind of feels in general that this has been a bit of a damp squib so far. The the, the entire hurling championship that there have been like genuinely great moments so far like I mean like Derry Tyrone last week Waterford Limerick the previous week was was really exciting um, like I mean the, the, the Clare Hurler so far have been a, a bit of a spark but say for example this week if it wasn't for the Brian Cody handshake kind of feels like a lot of last weekend's GA storylines would have kind of fell into the distance a little bit like we've spoken a lot about how losing the September window is like bad for the GEA. I'm not, I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with that. But I think also there's a, a case we made that at the, the start of uh, the championship now, you are competing with the other sports more and you're competing with uh, football in its business end more. And I mean, Champions League weeks, mm. it's very, very hard to, to, to move that off the back pages. Champions Cup obviously clashing with it at the moment. So this is the first time ever really that uh, the championship and like big championship games, Kerry Cork uh, in a traditional sense is going up against... Heineken Cup and it's going up against Champions League and it's losing the GA is losing in that battle against those two sports at the moment of course it'll spark into life in a, in a month in a month but basically for, from what I can see April and a half of May is going to be not lost but a little bit underwhelming in a coverage sense mm. well yeah. the, the GA competing against his own product didn't help last week either where the two mm. really interesting hurling games of the weekend where you would go away against Kilkenny which was understandably going to be the TV pick given the fact that it was Shefflin versus Cody and I'm sure the TV companies didn't expect they were going to get quite as much drama after the 70th minute in that game as they did between the late free being given Galway getting a last gasp winner and then the bizarre handshake between Cody and Shefflin but it meant that Cork and Clare wasn't on TV it was on GEA Go 
which when you show kind of a, a crapshoot football game on at six o'clock the night before where Dublin eased to victory against Wexford, it seemed an awful shame the way it was set up. And I was looking forward to uh, looking ahead to the TV schedule for next week. And again, these were picked well in advance. And you'd have to understand that, you know, TV schedulers will have to pick months out. But you could potentially have a fairly dead rubber game between Tipperary and Cork next week, which is going to be on TV. And then you've got two provincial semi-finals in Leinster, which aren't going to be on TV at all. And I don't know, maybe some flexibility is required when it comes to something like a round robin where one or two results can massively change the outlook before the next set of games takes place. It's unfortunate this week is the Leinster break week in the hurling and there's only one game on in Munster. Surely it would have been better off to have, say, the Clare and Cork game on this weekend, along with Limerick against Tipperary and spread them across two days. And that way you're not competing against each other. In a weird way, I kind of feel on a football level, hurling is, is different in this regard, but on a football level, the National League almost has a better chance of just even just grabbing back pages on a on a Monday morning than some of the championship stuff does uh, at this moment. And like, obviously, like, like if, if we're complaining here, you got to ask yourself, what's the fix? Do you necessarily go back to the way it was? And I'm not sure that's the case either. I just feel that this might actually force GA into thinking that they need to have the best possible product front and centre all the time. This sort of sleepwalking into the football championship, which we've seen over the last couple of years, you can get away with it when there's nothing else on. And uh, and I guess the, the hurling could take away from it. But what's actually happening now is that actually people are like, there's enough other sports. I, I like, do- I watch Leinster against Leicester I do think look at the, the clashes thing notwithstanding because that's uh, uh, just such a blatant thing that you should try and schedule away from that sort of stuff regardless of the belligerent, belligerent nature of there are sports and we'll put them on just like there has been some flexibility shown before particularly around some of the football stuff if I remember the soccer stuff last year but I do think that if you're from Leitrim like you're in the height of your summer now heading into this weekend like obviously we discuss Cork or whatever but like Cavan you're the same way like there is an elitism about some of the points that you're making that obviously relate to that will come into your breadbasket soon on if you're patient in terms of Kerry, right? Like, because I think if you're oh, from you those counties that I've just mentioned or you're from, like, obviously my own county that I was at last weekend or Kildare, the excitement is bub- bubbling up, the excitement of me is bubbling up. I think a lot of it relates to where your county is at at any given point. There's nothing that's going to excite you too much at this point of the year anyway, given the nature of... How can I get excited about Westmead Longford when I can't watch the match? Well, look, that's absolutely true and it struck me as Will was talking there if we could just show more games. I don't th- so I don't think it's an elite would. mindset at all. I'm not, like, I'm not like looking down on these... Count- I'm, like, th- but what I'm saying to you is like, there'll be people from Leitrim listening to what you're saying this morning going that they couldn't be... They're, they are... They're getting the dinner out of the way today so they can head into the weekend with a full, Listen, clear schedule. I'm unbelievably excited. Like, I'm, I'll yeah. be at Parky Rin tomorrow. I'm very, very excited about this. Like, I'm talking about it in a general sense about where the, with the spotlight on the sport at the moment. Like, I'm not looking down on Leitrim people. <laughs> I've never said you were. I'm just saying that. I'm trying to, like, invent something here. I never said you were. I'm just saying that there is. If you're saying that. The, the, there was the scheduling point that you made, right? Or the Will was making. And then your point was making that it feels as if everything hasn't really fully kicked into life just yet. Yeah, it, feel, it feels like the GEA yeah. second fiddle. So no, look at and, and I. Uh, that, that, that's fair enough. I'm just saying that there are that there will be loads of counties around the country who are uh, buzzing for this weekend and for the weekends to come, and obviously all the Talton Cup teams who are going to obviously uh, go through the rigors of that in the weeks ahead. I'm just saying that it depends on where you're from, really, in terms of your excitement of where the championship is at at any given moment. Well, the counterpoint to this before Owen ends up being shot at some point and <laughs> Leitrim becomes the new Not Unix and Mayo at some point is that last week we had the All-Ireland Champions get hammered by a Division 2 team. 
it's like we have had a few kind of exciting twists and turns so far. But I, I actually, I actually, I sorry, sorry exactly I, I, I think on that point, I think that like if Tyrone, I think if you wait five days, plus if Tyrone had beaten Derry last weekend, which you know by form they should have done, but uh, so if that had happened, right, you've still got a huge, you've got the All Ireland champions still really in the mix, still going for it in a way that I don't feel they are right now, and then you add in five days time ahead where Kerry have laid down a marker. Galway have probably laid down a marker, like maybe Donegal have laid down a marker and suddenly it's focused the mind a little bit. It's probably just at this exact moment in time where we're still waiting for some of those teams to really hit their straps. But that's not my point at all. My point is, like, you're absolutely right. Tyrone Derry was a big story this week. It was a, it was a great game, a, a brilliant moment. It just feels, what, what's the story of the week? The story of the week is Manchester City's collapse. It's Katie Taylor at the Garden. Shefflin uh, and Cody. Shefflin and Cody, because that was, it seemed like pretty extraordinary, that elevates it to a level above. I just feel that in previous years, Tyrone versus Derry would have been just a much bigger talking point in the middle of the summer. Again, I'm not saying that's an, it's the right thing to go to go back there. I'm just commenting. It's just an observation that it's just not as, as uh, there's not as much of a buzz around the championship, even allowing for the, the frailties in the provincial championship at this point of the championship than compared to the previous years. And I don't know if it's something that needs to be fixed or not. It's just something that, that, yeah. I, that I'm remarking upon. No, I, I understand what I would say. It's not really in the spotlight. I don't feel the buzz as much as I would have felt other years. And I think as well, in a sense of people just catching on. There's some people that you, you meet and they're like, oh, geez, the championship is on at the minute. You know, yeah. they're, they're only getting used to this. I was talking to friends the other day and I, we were talking about plans and I was like, oh, no, July is going to be the All-Ireland and the end of July. And they're like, what? I was like, and they're big GA people. I was like, yeah, like, I think there's a sense of people not really fully knowing what's going on at the minute. And look, we've had the problems with the provincial of not really being that exciting. So maybe people are just not fully tuned into it just yet. But uh, I do get what Owen's saying, that the spotlight isn't fully on it like other years because other sports are going on at the minute. So, yeah, it doesn't have that full buzz that we're used to having, I think. Just on, on that point, because, look, I know generally player interviews can be reasonably monotonous and we'll take each game as it comes and whatever else but I'm wondering how much of an impact there has been by the GPA opting to not have their players speak after games and to pull out of pre-championship media events and so on as well like a lot of the space that would have probably been taken up in the newspapers middle of the week and definitely space that would have been on radio stations and TV over the last while would have been player interviews on the week of games Mm -hmm. with that removed how much hype has that actually taken away? Yeah. Um, I'm going to leave a couple of the last words here to our YouTube commenters Kevin Kyo who says that Owen has a huge problem with England and Leitrim mm. I've been banging on about it for months now <laughs> I hate them both so much <laughs> equally the really? UK Leitrim, though you would never say no, nothing, nothing grinds my gears more than Leitrim uh, Damien says he- I'm, uh, I'm English and Carrigan Shannon kills him <laughs> <laughs> I'm English and I've got a problem with England uh, Paul Quirk has a good idea uh, Friday night games would be a great option for the GA to explore for the championship it works great for the club really sets the tone for the weekend and like it is definitely something that would be appealing the amateur nature of the thing obviously suddenly comes into that where you're obviously asking vast swathes of people who have other stuff to be doing with their time to earn a living to take even more time off and I guess that is maybe where part of that uh, complication comes into it Uh, right on to our second quick pick and uh, I I have a feeling that we're all going the same direction in almost all of these games Um, Donegal Cavan and we're Donegal across the board uh, the only slight caveat um, might be that it's a bit like um, Carlo Ancelotti when he gets to Paris next week he might be having flashbacks of what's happened in yesteryear and Donegal 
Ashley might be having flashbacks of their own to the athletic grounds in 2020. Yeah, yeah, I was there. It was a, a massive game, unbelievable. And it was w- one of those games that you'd never expected Calvin to come out on top. And they did. And the scenes after it was just amazing to see. So you could never write Calvin off. We didn't think they were going to do that performance that year. You never know what they're going to do this year. But I think for Donegal, when we spoke about them against Armagh um, in their, their first game, you know, I pondered so much over my prediction and I was going back and forth. And I finally went with uh, Donegal, thankfully. But now I just hope that we can see this continue. Like consistency has been a massive problem for Donegal. Once they they get this big win, can they push on? And they always just fall short. And you just wonder what what goes on because they've such a good team in paper. But we really seen against Armagh, they put up a big score, um, really good performance. So I hope they can kick on now. But I'd never write Calvin off because you just don't know what you're going to get with Calvin. They had a good win as well against Antrim and they kicked 120 which is no mean feat. So that, that that was good for them. And kicking 20 points, you know, is is always a massive positive. So I do think it's going to be a tougher task than people imagine. But I do expect Donegal to, to come out on top. Ulster is such a weird province at the best of times to get a fix on who at any one point is the leading candidate to challenge for the All-Ireland. And it's generally not until the Ulster final is played. And you, at that point, everybody's uh, hindsight kings and they're all like, ah, well, it was so obvious all the time. But will the Derry win last weekend, how much has that changed the outlook in, in Ulster? And I suppose who they'll play Monaghan next weekend. Who do you see coming out of that for? Yeah, um, I kind of have a slight fancy for, and this is getting ahead of next week, so if I change my mind, someone will just scrub <laughs> back to uh, this week. I kind of still have a slight fancy for Monaghan to beat Derry in the other semi final. And obviously, we've gone for Donegal across the board to win this one. So, mm, Monaghan against Donegal final. I actually kind of fancy Monaghan to win Ulster this year. They're probably unlucky not to win it last year. They gave Tyrone a decent enough rattle at Crow Park, but just didn't quite have enough uh, to get over the line in that one. So, yeah, Monaghan for Ulster for me at the moment. Yeah, and yeah, like, I don't know. I'd be picking Donegal for Ulster just. I think if that's the final, mm. and it's a big if, I think on both cases of these semi-finals, I think it'll be a great clash. Like I do think we do like remember twenty twenty very vividly because of that whole day. Obviously, uh, Tip winning Munster on on the very same day, the manner of the the cabin win it was very very dramatic. But like if we're if we're talking about Kerry Cork earlier on and like writing off that Kerry performance in 2020 like I think maybe Donegal deserve a little bit of leeway not a whole pile but a little bit of leeway for, for 2020 Cavan were amazing that year and they were brilliant against Antrim a few weeks ago but Donegal have been consistent in Ulster it's been outside of Ulster where they've been inconsistent I think it'll be 12, 10 out of 12 Ulster finals they'll have reached if they win this weekend which is just a brilliant record in such a minefield of a province like I, I do I, I don't think nobody's calling this game as a, as a blowout for Donegal anyway I think if they spread is something like 6 points I think it'll be smaller than that I think I think there'll be a, a goal between the teams I think it'll be Donegal by 3 but you're not overly confident predicting either of these semi-finals in, in the Ulster Championship they should be both brilliant games Yeah and like just with Donegal Ocean Gallon coming back in the next few weeks Murphy going along really well McHugh playing well off him like a lot of players hitting their straps and a lot of pieces I suppose falling into place nicely at the right time almost for Donegal are they how far back from Kerry are they I suppose isn't that the benchmark really of where any team is at at the minute um, I don't know a, a bit you'd have to say you, like it, it, 
what what's their ceiling is is the question when you're when you're analysing that. And I don't think their ceiling is is at Dublin or Kerry's level. I think that they're the teams like obviously Tyrone ceiling last year. I don't think that exists this year. If we're going to read a lot into last year, and then I think you'd have to have Mayo as as a team that can get to a higher level than Donegal as well. But maybe they prove something new. Like I mean, they do have a, a good management team in there, uh, but they're probably under a slight bit of pressure as well to prove that they can get the most out of this team and maybe eke a little bit more out of them, just like the Tyrone management team did with their players last year. So to answer your question, I think there's there's a, a little bit of a gap. But I mean, if they if they manage to, to, to kick lumps out of Cavan this weekend and, and ratchet up a big score and there's a bit of a gulf between the teams I think the conversation changes around Donegal a bit uh, Let's touch on Leitrim Galway uh, we won't linger on it but let's touch on it here and it won't be any great surprise that it's uh, Galway across the board um, and just looking at the odds Will for this one ja- sorry overall no more than the conversation we've just been having about how far away from Kerry or as Owen would say, Kerry and Dublin. Uh, Donegal are Galway are third favourites alongside Mayo and Donegal uh, to win the All Ireland. Right on the basis of obviously uh, the previous round. What is that justified? Well, for you, yeah, um, oof, it's a big call to make this early in the year. I mean, obviously Galway had a very impressive league campaign and are now one step away from going up against their neighbours Roscommon in the Connacht final and obviously that leads you know directly into the back end of the knockout stages so you're probably seeing the market reflected a little bit around that as well because there's some very difficult games for teams in Ulster left and obviously Kerry are favourites based on what they've done so far this year and they're expected to be Cork but look I was obviously very impressed by Galway last time out I mean we kind of had our slight reservations um after what happened in the league final and then you know they came out absolutely flying so I don't know like I mean look obviously they've got a more direct route potentially to the All-Ireland series but that's a very difficult conic final ahead for them against Roscommon um, mm. that'd be my concern if I was a Galway fan but obviously they have to get over Leitrim first I mean I don't think any of us genuinely think that Leitrim are going to be that close to Galway this weekend do we? No I don't suspect so I think no. uh, I think there'll be a bit of a margin there. Um, I don't think it would be a surprise, says this YouTube commenter, if Cavan won on Sunday. Cavan for the win, says Cavan lad. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the hurling, I think, next. Uh, Limerick against Tip, and it's Limerick across the board. Uh, Tipperary zero from two, injuries galore, low ebb. T- any, anybody feeling in, in 30 seconds is going to be tight here, or what are we thinking? Nope. No, I think Which it's too it? much of a, of a task for, for Tip here, just with their injuries as well. Jason Ford, James Quigley, James McGrath, like to be going in against Limerick um, with not a full strength squad and not playing your best hurling. I just I can't see it. And at the moment, we're just seeing Limerick really get into their stride. What, what do they need? Well, how much of a lead do they need at halftime to win this game? 16, 17 points? So if they're After not that much at halftime, you can write it After last year, you'd need more than that. It's, it's like it's an awful pity that this game is likely to be a blowout for Limerick, even without Kyle Hayes and without Keane Lynch, because the Munster final was so good and so absorbing last year, and Limerick's comeback was just remarkable. But tip or down, probably five of the six starting forwards if you're picking a team on paper earlier this year, and then you add the two Mars into it as well. Mm. I don't know. I mean, for Tipperary, it's about not finishing bottom of Munster now. And then uh, Dublin Meads in the Leinster final at Parnell Park. Uh, it is three Meads and a Dublin. Finally, we have a point of difference here. And like, look at it. It's on, the tightest game of the, of the whole lot to call, isn't it? Like, there was a um, difficult one to get in. But like, look, it's my call there is on the basis of, obviously there's 
there are so few teams even competing for this thing. Uh, Dublin have had a run out, albeit like Will is talking about blowouts there against Westmead last weekend. But they, you know, I'm sure Mead have been tipping away with challenge matches, but it just doesn't replicate that intensity and preparation that you get for a championship game. Uh, Meath haven't had that two points between them in the All-Ireland final last year and also what's in my mind to be honest is Hannah Terrell was sat in your seat on there about three months ago or a little bit more probably at this stage um, in fact a lot more about six months ago and she was talking about the hurt from that game and she wasn't making it up it was very clear in her eyes that this was uh, that hurt badly and so I don't think there was much between them to begin with um, obviously Meath are, are, are currently holding on to some of their players who are about to take flight and uh, that would be definitely swing me in the Dublin direction I don't think much but for that reason no on I'm going for Dublin yeah like I'm I'm, I'm not sure uh, I didn't see the, the Dublin Meath game between them in the league but like I think we sometimes forget that Meath won, won the league but Dublin beat them in the league yes. it was Donny Gall who, who did Dublin uh, in that one but the thing is Meath were just awesome in that uh, league final at times Donny Gall are an excellent team and they're going to be a contender this year as well and they managed to, to grind out that win and obviously the collection of players that we became so familiar with on their path last year um, they're like they're, I just think they're a brilliant team and I think they're going to win at the weekend but it's that sort of in not, not an intangible around Dublin but there's like a revenge mission for them this year in an overall sense that they'll have their eyes on, on the All-Ireland for sure Ashling, wrap it up for us there by endorsing my pick no chance. <laughs> no, I, I can't wait to see this. And as we're talking about the league, they, they did, uh, Dublin did beat Mead, but it was only a point and Mead left off their college players that day. So you didn't have a, a lot of their main starters um, on the team. And I think they nearly did that on purpose to not show their full hand this year because they know that Dublin are absolutely gunning for them and they're, they're going to want to go the whole way. And not to go on about Mead, but we have seen them go from Division 3, Division 2 to Division 1 in the league intermediate senior championships championship winners and the only thing that they do not have with this amazing team is a senior Leinster title so I think they'll really have their eyes set on wanting to win this and it'll be a massive game it's in Parnell Park you know there's a lot to it but I do think that Mead have Kelsey Nesbitt back as well she's been out for a, for a while she's been on the bench she came back in at the league you've seen the influence she made so they've a lot um, added as well this year that should be a big positive for them but uh, yeah you can you can never write the dubs off you see Carla Rowe is back in form as well she kicked 2-5 last week um, along with Hannah Tyrrell she scored 2-9 so there's um, massive positives for both teams but I just think Mead will, will just about edge it I hope so anyway uh, we should see there's only one cautionary thing about this game is that this is a round robin series that the teams are in. I would like to have seen the teams, which will probably yeah. be announced around noon before picking this, because Dublin scoring 6.23 against Westmead last week. Mead will be expected to beat Westmead next week. So both teams are going to qualify for a final in a few weeks' time. So I'm wondering, will there be any element of shadow boxing just for this fixture as opposed to the Leinster final itself? That's a fair point. I'm all in Dublin. Thanks, folks. Thank you. Thanks a lot. That's the quick picks for this week. It is uh, gone 10 to 9. Friday morning, you're watching OTB AM and uh, we've loads still to come. The papers now. There are so many idiots out there, so many spoofers. There's a lot of horse. <laughs> I think he's a total spoofer. What do you mean a spoofer? He's a bullshit. Ah, no, I'm a, come on, don't, don't be, no, I'm not. Yes. No. All right, it is uh, 10 to 9. OTPsports.com for you this morning. Here's what's going on. I don't subscribe to it being the Holy Grail, John Giles, uh, endorsing the credentials of Pep Guardiola there. Uh, They were in tears. It was just their uh, raw emotion that's um, 
a really nice piece of video from uh, OTB Productions that is in relation to the Ireland team who won the Grand Slam uh, a few years ago uh, Fiona Hayes and um, Nora Stapleton and Alison Miller in conversation there up at Ashburn Rugby Club and it's a lovely piece and I recommend that you go and check it out and other pieces besides otbsports.com for you this morning the Irish Independent uh, picture of Declan Rice there incredulous Declan Rice after West Ham's exit from the Europa League last night James Ryan to return for Leinster in European quarterfinal clash this is post the uh, return to play protocols he was left out of the South African tour but looks as if he might be back in the mix for this weekend and Bradley and talks over Rovers future ahead of Harps Clash they play Finn Harps in the League of Ireland tonight uh, but it does look as if he's uh, Lincoln City bound if all reports are to be believed um, that is the Irish Independent for you the Irish Star has a very similar theme here I think they think it's all Rover it imp now uh, the words of the Daily Star this morning and Paul Lennon writing Stephen Bradley is to become the new manager at Lincoln City barring a dramatic U-turn uh, by Stephen Bradley so that looks as if it will happen Pep will sign on so I guess that's a boost it is a boost of course for Manchester City um, won't bring the Champions League back for them but it'll give them a bit of a, a fill up uh, if he does sign up on the dotted line as is expected sort this out the Minister uh, calls him boxing to stop the infighting this is Mark Gallagher, Gallagher writing here the government have hit out at the internal squabbling ongoing uh, within Irish boxing as it says here, is preventing Ireland's most successful Olympic sport from reaching its potential. It's the further fallout from the official resignation from his position at the high-performance unit of uh, Bernard Dunn during the week and uh, more reaction to the Europa League as well last night. Inside that is the uh, star for you this morning, the Murr uh, Fall English. It was Leicester and West Ham making their exit last night. Uh, Chambers concerned about the boxing stuff there and Mo Salah uh, last night being crowned the Football Writers Player of the Year at the awards summary. So that's the papers. We'll come back to those in just a little bit, but it's uh, five to nine. And good morning to you, wherever it is you're at. Delighted to have you with us. Keeper comes coming in. Ronan Agarrett, good morning to you. Adrian, how are you? Good, thanks. You're looking very relaxed there for a man who's just over 24 hours out from the biggest game of the season. Um... Yeah, well, yeah, I didn't think about it like that. But, uh, yeah, it's another week. It's an important week. Big game for the club. Big game for for us. Home quarterfinals. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting. This is why we get involved in, in the game. So, um, yeah, it's good to be relaxed, I think. But we know that there's serious business to be done as well. Is all the planning from your point of view done now? Or is there still, do you use that last 24 hours to lock more stuff off? Or is it all done and dusted? Yeah, you do, yeah. Kind of Thursdays are big training, so... We had average training yesterday, so you have to kind of, I suppose, pick the key points out of that, uh, present it to your players, and then we kind of do what's a captain's run, which means that the captain, obviously, uh, and the leaders in the group take take that session. And um, I suppose the time for, I suppose, the replacements or finishers, whatever way you want to call them, they get more time, I suppose, in the position that they could be uh, featuring in tomorrow, so uh, yeah, kind of a um, not much intensity, but you need to be mentally alert, obviously. Um, Montpellier, you probably couldn't have handpicked better their opposition, obviously last weekend in, in the sense of Bordeaux and whatever about the outcome, and, and Bordeaux won that match. But it, how much of a help was that, given how well you've got to know Bordeaux over the last few weeks? Very little, really. I think right. there's it's. Very little transfer, obviously, with the history of the French home and away record and how difficult it is. But then also you're looking at a different competition, different refereeing. Um, and it's 
crazy how quickly I suppose teams lose and get form in France. Uh, so, I mean, the reaction I suppose of of a lot of our French players would have been they would have preferred an Irish or an English team in in, in a quarter final going against their own makes it I think a little bit more difficult for them mentally. But I suppose the most important thing is that we're playing at home. It would be far more difficult going to Montpellier, but they've already come here and won in the top 14. So uh, they were in better form and that did happen. Uh, I think we've got better as the season has gone on. So uh, tomorrow is a good opportunity for us. I remember chatting to you 12 months ago about that this point, almost this exact point of the season where it's that week-on-week nature of every game almost being a season-defining game and sort of post last weekend for yourselves I guess it's in that uh, mould now from week to week both in terms of Europe and, and domestically as well what or how much did you learn from last week that you're, or last year that you're now been able to apply to this type of a run in yeah it's actually got uh, I don't think I think it's been is it three times in the history of the top 14 over 100 years I think from with two weekends to go that we don't know anyone for the top six. So it's crazy. How, Incredible. Yes. Uh, so, you know, I think, as you say, learning from last year, we were always, you know what I mean, kind of uh, in the top two in the league last year. Um, and we put a big emphasis on that, but I probably think with a little bit of hindsight, there's, there's different ways of probably trying to achieve what you do want to achieve. So the focus this year is, being in the six, but as we know now, getting into the six is going to be very difficult, like it is for every other team. We're not in a better or worse position than anyone else. But uh, as you say, uh, what becomes interesting from this week on is that hopefully you play a quarter final. Uh, if you proceed, you play a semi final, and the following week it's essentially uh, uh, a one eighth of a final against that France. It's your second last league game, which uh, you mean I don't think there'll be a season like this for four French teams anyway that they're competing in qualifying stages of the Champions Cup with odds so trying to keep their domestic hopes alive so it makes it fascinating and you know and put emphasis on on uh, on your group as opposed to your team uh, and with that uh, that that becomes very important the fact that uh, I suppose how you've managed um all your players since last July because some people are under rugby, some people are over rugby, uh, and you're trying to just get, I suppose, the energy levels at that uh, level where you know you have enough for 80 minutes, which is always a very, very delicate balancing act. Can I, can I ask you just to loop back to something we were chatting about earlier in relation to how you're using the next 24 hours? How are you? managing like are you having using that time to have individual conversations with people like either by way of arm around the shoulder stuff or a bit of prodding or poking or tactics or how specifically will you use that 24 hours um well we 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 train uh two o'clock uh and uh there might be a little one or two nuggets in 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 the video of training yesterday for for a few guys but essentially um, you know, I mean, you just, I suppose, that's where trust comes into it. I think you gotta um, know your players and kind of, I suppose, if something jumps out at you, you'll be able to, to tweak it. But uh, what you don't want to be doing either, like at this stage, when they get into the heat of battle, are they going to remember the conversation mm. tomorrow as of today? I'm not too sure, Adrian. So I think 
you're trying to declutter them and make sure that they're kind of excited for for what's ahead. And uh, you know, I mean, I think the the interesting thing for me is that they they kind of trust their instincts and get to that uh, mental space of of trusting their autopilot, and it becomes automatic for them. And and they play with flow, and they play with, I suppose, freedom. And uh, within within a, a roughly defined uh, framework, as opposed to I need you doing this here, you know. Well, yeah, you would talk about the heat of battle there. There was another clip doing the rounds this week. I'm sure it wasn't lost on you. Um, what happened between yourself and the Toulouse coach? Ah, oh, just a difference of opinion. You know that happens. It was very, uh, very controlled. You know, it's kind of uh, just difference of opinion around the tackle, whether arms are used or not. Uh, I said from the video, you can see he clearly wraps, and he just uh, didn't agree. So. Uh, that's okay, you know, you kind of just uh, make your point and move on. He had a cheeky little wink to his um, coaching staff, I presume, which felt like, uh, you know, I'm a die-the-grave man to be winding him up. Yeah, exactly, but sure, that's, you know, I mean, this part of the cinema, as they say in France, that's, that's, I think a lot of, a lot of coaches or a lot of people actually enjoy screen time. It's, it's fascinating. I think the, emphasis they put on uh, the media over here in the fact is that maybe the more screen time you get the more important you are while I suppose in the business of high performance it's 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 what you do with your group and what medals you've won uh, in your career and that's the most important thing for me Of course we wouldn't get carried away with any sideline antics in this country I mean it's not like there's been a, a handshake between uh, two hurling greats that's been under the microscope here all week or anything uh, Like, it's <laughs> Yeah sorry Owen I, I, I don't have a, I'm just looking at a, a dark black screen so that's why I didn't say hello at the start excuse me I, I Not at all He's always lurking here, Ronan. You just bear that, always bear that in mind. He's lurking, <laughs> yeah, yeah, lurking yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good carry, man. Did you see the Cody Shefflin handshake? I did, yeah. I did. Um, but I only saw the clip, you know, and I think there's always, uh, to comment accurately, you need context, you know, and I hadn't seen anything throughout the game. I didn't see the body language of either of them through the game or at the end of the game, but obviously it was... Uh, uh, it was a cold handshake. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I, so I heard, saw somebody saying afterwards that they, it's well possible the two of them were laughing away about it afterwards, which I think we should all bear in mind. Like when you're talking about these things, we tend to, to get very po-faced about them. And the reality behind the scenes might be um, something entirely different, of course. Um, had you I, had you any calls from Munster, the Munster group this week, if I can be that specific about it? Anybody on to you saying, listen, we need a steer on this or that ahead of the game tomorrow? No. No, 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 no. It's it's. Um, um, I don't have any 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 links really with the current group. You know, I, I, I've, I've friendly with a few players, um, but there's great value in the saying, "When you're gone, you're gone." So. <laughs> what well, if you were, if the call was to come? What would you be saying? Um. Well, you can't be as inaccurate as we were. If you if you want to take down a championship team like Toulouse, you've got to be accurate. We we turned over the ball eighteen times when we had the ball within our uh, our control. So that skills that is our, our our skills let us down under pressure. Is that because we were playing in a fantastic soccer stadium where the crowd were pumping and they were got under our skin, or did we lose concentration and and uh, 
exit from the shows that have worked for us well all season. Uh, I think there's a combination of, of, of reasons for why we didn't get the job done last weekend, but I think they'll see enough uh, from our scraps to give them uh, a lot of confidence. And you also, I suppose, um, combine that with their performance in Tolman Park. I think it was uh, in a in a COVID stadium where uh, there weren't supporters and Munster had them on the ropes, but they, did, they didn't have the knockout punch. Uh, they tore them apart at times. And I remember watching that game afterwards, just reviewing it uh, for myself. Uh, they really stressed Toulouse. Um, what, what, what Toulouse uh, most definitely have an advantage is that they're mentally very, very strong. So, I mean, if they go behind, they still have that capacity to, to win the big games. And, and uh, you know, I think you saw again for people who watched it, uh, the value of Dupont, you know, it wasn't with the ball, it was just him chasing and harrying. Uh, Brice Doulan to force a rush kick and charge down seven points. That's that's immeasurable in, in close games. Monster, I think, will have seen enough about how they can go go about uh, dismantling Toulouse. And like, had had it not been an empty Thoman Park last year as well, when you talk about that belief to come from behind, like maybe that gives Munster an extra kick in in that fixture. So, like, I think that's an interesting element going into to the Aviva Stadium th- this weekend. Is that if that feels like a real Munster home game, and if the two sides haven't moved too far apart in the last couple of years, it could have a really significant impact on the outcome. Yeah, it could. Only I think it's going to be tight. I think well, obviously it seems like there's a good spell of weather over Europe at the minute, so you're going to have a a fast pitch, the Aviva is brilliant for playing, I suppose, high-tempo rugby, uh, and also the space, because it's a proper rugby pitch for, for, for a really effective kicking game. Uh, you'd find at times that Ramos will be in the backfield on his own, so it'll be interesting, I suppose, tactically to see how months ago about uh, finding space against them, but there will be space. Um, but, uh, you know, it's... You still got to remember that Toulouse have have ten of that twenty three Grand Slam winning team on 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 their books, so they have quality everywhere. Um, but I just think uh, you mean the Colby factor, him taking him out of that, the X factor that Dupont and Colby had together is something I feel that Toulouse are missing. Is it enough to stop them? I'm not sure. A player in the backfield on his own is made for a runner Gareth style ball on the string, kick to the corners. Yeah, it most definitely is nowadays. Yeah, if you're 14 in the front line, especially with the 50-22. So attacking, kicking games, I think what really what separates um, the top teams, I think you look at um, England a few years ago were really, really excellent with probably five kickers in their back line. you know, I think uh, Saracens were doing it really well for, for for a period of time as well. Um, Finn Russell for Racing does it really well. Um, the obviously Leinster attacking kick threats are, are very very uh, hard to defend. So it's it, it is an area I think that's underappreciated in the game for unlocking I suppose uh, these kind of rush defences. It doesn't. It doesn't all need to come from the boot of Joy Carberry. I guess is that the part of what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, exactly. The way the game is going, if you have a 13 who's accurate with his foot, it makes such a difference because, especially kind of from your 22 to the halfway line, how defences, I suppose, uh, measure up. 
in terms of where their 11, 15 and 14 are. If they're deep, they're obviously going to, you're going to exit with your hands. But if they're not deep, it's better if you can kind of go 10 to 13 and 13 has a decision depending on what the defending winger is doing. If their winger and 15 push up, he can kick it in behind him. If not, he just plays a pass to his 15. And you can see that with Ireland with Hugo Keenan kicking in the wide channels. Uh, and Simon Zebo for Munster with his left foot especially it becomes a very very hard option to defend uh, I noticed in your Irish Examiner column this morning you were talking about how well got uh, Joey Carberry is in France um, so I don't know I, I, I part of me was a bit surprised by it almost because there's a little narrative that has taken on here now that like maybe Joey Carberry would be better served at full t- uh, 15 full time and you're bringing in one of the other young bucks at 10 but that's not your reading of it or is it? No, because so Adam is more the, the French staff. I think when when I'd say this comes from the Ireland France game, and on reflection, I'd say these people have poured over the video ten times, mm. and I think, yeah, I mean, he's going into that game with so little Test rugby, if not uh, Champions Cup rugby, under his belt, and to put in a performance like that, I think uh, they, I think they fear his running threat, his capacity to. To you know, play in behind the pods of forwards and go through the hole. He has a blistering pace, but I think uh, we haven't seen that frequently enough. Uh, probably in the last six months, but you re- you remember the early stages of his career. He was doing it every second game. So I think his big point of difference is his running threat. Yeah. So is that a, a confidence thing that that just ratchets up over the next little while? Confidence in his own body, even. It's very interesting, on because I think when you're in an old half, probably the areas he was probably told to work on is putting more structure in his game and get, bringing out the best in players around him. Sometimes you forget what got you to this point. And I think uh, when you look at, uh, at Joey Carberry, all his rugby career, uh, he was a brilliant runner, epitomised, I suppose. We remember that break against uh, in Murrayfield when he uh, had the power to break through the two Scottish forwards and throw out a delicious pass to left to right to Keith Earls for Ardley to score uh, but he, he he was doing that in the blue jersey as well very very well um, but I think for Munster the fact is that hopefully now this is his patch to drive on to kick on because for the last 24 months he's been uh, really really I suppose um, challenged by differing lower limb injuries is it a case where he's essentially just stripped it back to the basics then on top of the injuries uh, to try and, I guess, get the, the bread and butter part of the out half roll down? And it's about refinding that spark, having, you know, really sharp, like his, his place kicking has always been excellent, but it's, it, it is, it's noticeably excellent at the moment. And then also the kind of structured playmaking element of his game as a number 10. Is it just about nailing those down and then adding the spark back to his game now over the next little while? I would even strip it back even further. I would just be looking for him to present himself fit every Monday for 20 weeks. Mm. You know I mean, if he can put 10 games in a row together, which he probably hasn't, I would say his, his performance graph is so stop-start that it just makes, I suppose, any capacity to have momentum extremely difficult. And if you, if you, if you look at it, I suppose, with a little bit of detail, we can see over the last 24 months, it's been two stop-start. But now, hopefully the injuries are behind him and all he needs to do and, and, and all I, he needs to do is is understating it, is, is try and uh, 
present fit, so he's on the pitch every week. And if you're getting minutes in, in, in that jersey, in that position, with the experience he now has, with confidence in the body, he's just going to get better and better. We touched on you uh, last week about Mike Prendergast, and obviously it was uh, waiting to happen, and now it's since happened. Um, the I just I wondered afterwards if the appointment and the style that he's been used to coaching at Racing, particularly that sort of uh, ambitious, expansive style, whatever you want to call it, is it just a case? So I suppose Munster fans are probably wondering: is that is he coming in now to do that with us, or is it a case that he's just a very good coach and he can come in and and play whatever he has in front of him? Yeah, he's both. I think. Uh, what is I suppose really important to stress to the listener is the fact that he has a he has a a very very um, uh, suitable personality for coaching and the fact that he doesn't really uh, get stressed he does get frustrated but he's really good at channeling that for himself and then I suppose uh, empowering his players to play exactly how he wants to play the game. He has certain ideas which he's very strong on, but I think he's also smart enough to understand the DNA of Munster and what make Munster players and supporters tick and how you combine that together. And that's very important as well. But in terms of a style of playing, he would be all over, I suppose, all the nuances of, of attack play. But I think the key to Mike is that he wouldn't be just uh, stuck in one model. You know, he's played a one three three one. he's played a one three two two. he's played a 2-4-2. Two, two. So he, he has he has plenty of, I suppose, um, tools in, in his toolbox. It's just a, which one he feels best at bringing out. But I think it'll be more around the environment, but also among, among the strategy and people wanting to get better with a framework that, that, that will see Mike excel. Channeling that frustration, is that something you've mentioned before, your good mates, you've chatted to him about? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been taking any of your bait yet. Um, <laughs> you've battered it away very well. You're in game mode already. You're chipping away nicely. You're hoping that I crack. <laughs> I've taken that as a yes. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, uh, very best luck tomorrow. Really look forward to catching up with you again over the next few weeks. Thanks for yeah, exactly. hopping on. See you next week, boys. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. on the line there ahead of a uh, fascinating weekend of. And like, look at it. He's obviously joking about it there. But why would you not? Well, one of your best mates is so highly thought of. Actually, what I was going to ask him was how. Why is Mike Prendergast so special? Uh, but he answered it. Like that's. That ability that he's talking about, like it's got head coach material written all over it as well. I'm not Graham Roundtree just been appointed. There's a there's they could have a very successful twenty years ahead, but it did strike me as uh, he's that ability to be channel your frustration and not be uh, what was the word he used? Not be stressed about it. Mm. It's incredible. It's quite an elitist mindset against Graham Roundtree. <laughs> Jesus, what wow! Is, what has I'm he done really. To you? Uh, Chipping away at the old monster people this morning, have they? Yeah, you all just that annoy you. Hate you, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, my weekend has been ruined. Um, well, it definitely rankled a bit. There was some people on oh, Twitter here that were talking better about believe it. P well seventy four on YouTube says, "Oh, and get out of Dublin, and you might realise that not everyone's interested in the Champions Cup and the EPL." Uh, in the UK, obviously, there are far more people going to Munster hurling championship matches than are going to Munster rugby. Like I mean, he does. He does make a point. Yeah, maybe. Like I mean, I just need to get out of this goddamn city. Go, go see the world. Go see the country. Speak to the people. 
Uh, quarter past nine. It is OTBAM, and we're delighted to have you along with us. Uh, we are brought to you every morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. And uh, the football pod uh, with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue is hitting the road this summer. Uh, it's about four weeks away now. We want you to join us. Uh, first stop is going to be the Royal Theatre, Castle Bar. It's Thursday, June the 2nd. Uh, Paddy and James and, of course, Tommy are going to dissect, analyse and celebrate Mayo football um, and the wider championship conversation as well. We'll see where we're at at that point of the year as to exactly the runners and riders for the year ahead. Uh, and all, obviously all the usual football pod style stuff that you're well used to uh, picking up on it. If you're not, you should get on it. Um, and we'll also be sprinkling in uh, the odd local legend or two. So um, that is the deal on the night. It's the football pod. It's Paddy and James. It's Castle Bar. It's June the 2nd. Tickets are €20 Euro plus book and fee. They're on sale now. You can head along to o2bsports.com forward slash events. It's the easiest place to get yourself to the ticketing link or also keep an eye on our social channels where we'll uh, tweet that out. Um, and you can get yours today and stay tuned for more details uh, to come on that show. Up next, uh, we're going to be rejoined by Willow Callahan and joined for the first time this morning by middle, uh, middle-aged, mild-mannered Mick for an extremely exciting crappy quiz to see out the week. But Chris Bond. Oh, you're kidding me! September. Kyle Lafferty. Are no! you joking me? Is that right? I know! Is that right? Uh, anybody else? Like, that is one of the most stupid questions. Darius Vassell? Seriously, you all need to just stay quiet. This is getting really annoying doing this quiz. What is going on here? <laughs> 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 Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome along to the shoutiest segment on Irish radio. It's the scintillating, it's the stupefying, it's the splendido crappy quiz. Every Friday, we put three of team off the ball up against each other in a no-holds-barred quiz of sporting factoids at the end of the week. Allow me to welcome today's contestants. Our first contestant braved the elements last week to watch Westmeath win in the Leinster Championship in truly horrendous conditions, which involved... A dreadful lack of selection in the glasses of red available at the tuck <laughs> shop and a complete absence of pecorino cheese. A bag of tato was emblematic of an all-round horrendous experience. Give it up for Adrian, who's your daddy, Barry. Brilliant experience, on. Highly recommend it. Got ripped off for a couple of flags outside. Five or a pop. One of them had broke by the time we even got into the ground. But that notwithstanding, great day out. The other one you can keep forever. Our next contestant is ready to get hurt again. He realises the world feels very 1995 right now. Or maybe it's more 1997, or maybe it's 2013. He's constantly tapping his toe to Willie Clancy tunes and thinking of how proud he is of the Burren. Maybe Christy will write another song about us this year, he's thinking. It's Claire Hurling fanatic, APM, angry producer Mick. Looking good, Owen. It's looking good. You're very We've welcome. even cast aside the football earlier in the season than normal just to go full on on the chase for Liam this year. I like it, it's admirable. Uh, a new moniker for angry producer Mick, I think, Adrian? Middle-aged, mild-mannered Mick, I think... For appropriate like I know uh, I don't know I think you're saying a lot about my health by calling it middle age um, by calling me middle age I don't know are you middle age before you're 40 uh, I think so if you take you that middle side well look at no uh, 35 yeah you probably are 30, 60, oh, 90 okay. if you work off All that right, basis okay, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 if, if you want to this. get my, my three score and 10 I suppose I'm past I'm past halfway yeah 
Yeah, uh, more on this in the Dadcast, I'm sure. No, it's <laughs> defunct now. Defunct. Right. Okay. Well, sorry, sorry to hear about that. Do you know why it's defunct? Don't because they're all afraid that their kids might listen to the things they've been saying about them. <laughs> yeah, as they should be. Dave McIntyre's kids. That's true. Will, will, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> find out terrible things about themselves. Uh, our final contestant cried into Hank's arms last Sunday when he saw the tension between his heroes, King Cody and King Henry. He asked why the world needs to be this way. Hank stared back blankly. Give it up for Will Rock and Roll O'Callaghan. <laughs> <laughs> Morning lads How are you getting on? Ah, there was a nice little 15 minute break there While Roger was chatting about the weekend And back we come Not as Arthur this time My defeat this year is entirely pushed on to him From a couple of weeks ago Absolutely We did get a comment from Joseph Manning On last week's YouTube He said oh. Can we get Mick and Will on the same quiz one of the weeks? Two of the best crappy quizzers The crappy quiz has seen Would love to see them go head to head Today is that week Joseph Sometimes dreams do come true Adrian, he'd also like to see you, so you're very welcome as well. I'm happy to be swapped out here any time, by the way. I don't, uh, don't feel obliged on that you need to include me. As ever, the format is a classic crappy quiz with a series of questions on a range of themes, and it's on to the slip and slide of trivia, which is the rapid fire round. You can podcast a crappy quiz on otbsports.com or on the OTB Sports app. And if you're watching on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up, even if you hate us. And you can send any questions you have via postcard to crappy quiz quizmaster off the ball towers, Marconi House, Diggs Lane, Dublin 2. Just like Merv Scanlon from Cork City did this week. Look at that beautiful puffin on the front of that postcard. A description on it. The Atlantic puffin can be found in colonies in many coastal locations around Ireland. One of the largest colonies can be found at the Cliffs of Moher, County Clare. It is all coming up, Clare, Mick McCarthy. Uh, puffins can also be found in other counties. I just want to put that out there. But apparently this one is a County Clare puffin. Thank you for your questions. We will get to them uh, later on. Round one is the boring questions round. Never multiple choice. Adrian, you're first up. Nathan Collins has been nominated as April's Premier League Player of the Month, but can you name the last Irish player to win a Premier League Player of the Month award? Oof. I can tell you what number he wears, then he is to you. <laughs> um, the last Irish player to win a Player of the Month. Premier League Player of the Month. Yeah. Um, like, I do seem to remember... Like, it is not my answer, but I do seem to remember Shane Long holding one of these trophies. Shane Long holding one of them. <laughs> uh, if, if Catherine is going to do it, Jojo this morning. Sake. Catherine, feel free to say, if at oh, any point I times. say that's not my answer, and it actually is, feel free to jump in with a ding, ding, ding. Um, Come on, Adrian, the football kickoffs at half ten here. I tempted to go for Seamus Coleman. I'm such a big fan. <sighs> um, I'm going to go, though, with... Yeah, I'm going to go with Shane Long. No. It's not. Robbie Keane. It's Robbie Keane. Oh, wow. There's only been three, hasn't there? Uh, three, yeah. Uh, Robbie Roy and and the guy from Southampton yeah name I can't remember yeah me Shane too. Long not, not Shane Long <laughs> uh, Mick can you name any team that has beaten Real Madrid in the European Cup slash Champions League final <laughs> final uh... Liverpool correct was it 1981 Something like that. Yeah. Um, in Paris Inter Milan and Benfica oh yeah of course in Paris Inter Milan and Benfica uh, the other teams you could have gone for there uh, Will a uh, non-Spanish or English team will win the Europa League for the first time in over a decade this year can you name the last club not from either of those countries to win the competition hmm so either the Europa League or Champions League no the Europa League Europa League yeah it's uh, a tough question so the last non-English or Spanish team to win the Europa League this is bloody tough yeah uh, Porto oh, correct yeah. in Dublin 
mm. 2011 a game, a game I left early oh well seriously yeah I saw the goal that was enough that was an absolutely horrific final legend I had no investment in it whatsoever no I was given a ticket I think on the day of the game and I wanted to beat the traffic and get on I mean fair it's a Midlands no regrets yeah. round two is the past the parcel of doom round but with a twist round yes it's time for another round written by producer Cullum and this snappily titled round is sure to get the trivia juices flowing this morning in this round I'm going to name a number of years and you have to guess the winner and runner up of the competition of any one of these years you will get one point for the correct winner and one point for the correct runner up given the relative brain power in this quiz I expect there to be no confusion whatsoever about the rules I've just explained (laughs) Let me just say any competition. So, so just say, I'm going for the Heineken Cup this one. So, Adrian, uh, you're going to kick us off here. I think you'll all get a go with this. I don't know. I, I, didn't, I meant to check with Colin this morning if I'm completely ruining the rules of this quiz. But sure, look, let's go with it. Adrian. That's the, that's the design. Uh, uh, first up is All-Ireland Senior Hurling winners and runners-up from 1992, 2001, 2017. What is happening 1986. Here? <laughs> what is going on? 1989, or 1998. So you can pick I'm, any one of those years. Pick any one of those years. Stupid. Okay, listen closely. Pick one of these years. 1992, Two if you want two points. You can give me one if you want just one point. It's up well, to you. You tell me what the rules are. Winner and runner-up, please. You want both? Yes. You want both from, from one? You want me one to pick year. a year? Yes. God, this is it's absolutely ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. So this would be much easier if you just picked a year. I'm going to go 17. I apparently I've completely messed this up. That's not 17, the slightest bit surprising to me. And I'm going to go Galway and Waterford. That's correct. Well done, Adrian Barry. He's got two points. He's in the lead. Okay, uh, next up is Mick. You can pick one of those years. Uh, I will go, just to annoy Will, I will go with 98 and go awfully in Kilkenny. Yes. Well done, Mick. And Will? What other years are available here, Owen? Uh, 1992, 2001, 1986 and 1989. Uh, right, okay. 1989 is an easy one. Tip and Antrim. Well done. See how easy that was, guys? You all got maximum points. There's an odd points. number of th- things here, though. So somebody's going to... Anyway. No, 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 no. Then we're moving on to the next one. So, Mick, you're going to kick us off so in this confusing. one. So confusing. Oh, okay. So for the same years, the years all reset. Uh, what I want is all Ireland senior uh, football winners and runners-up. What are the years again? Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I wrote them down and then I deleted them because I thought we were moving on to a new part of the quiz. No, we got to be consistent. Why are they not in order? Oh, That's Adrian, Adrian exactly, sh- Mick. Adrian shouting, me, shouting at me on air. Colm shouting at me in my 86. ear. I've ruined a stupid round. And we got Nick at home. Give us the years, Come on. 1992, 2001, 2017, 1986, 1989, 1998. Mick goes first. Why, do they, why, why are they not in the right exactly, order? I just copied and pasted from Colm's email. It makes no sense. And what's the What do you expect me to do Proofread the quiz Football Football And you have to the same, same deal Yeah please uh, Okay cool I will go with 92 Donegal and Dublin Correct uh, Will you're next up See how fun this is It's absolutely ludicrous <laughs> Hold on So 1998 was Galway No Hold on Oof, Oh Hang on a second Ooh. Hang about Galway and Kildare Committed to 98 Correct you reverse that but he drove back in Adrian 17 yeah was uh, 
Come here, would you pick a year you have to go? Come on. Was Dublin and Kerry? No. Oh, no. Dublin and Mayo, one of the greatest uh, games replay. of all time. No, it wasn't. It was just one game no, in 17. The one point game, the best game. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Will, uh, different years now, but the same idea oh, for. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why are we suddenly now changing the years? I don't know. But we're doing it because that's the fun part of it. Uh, normally, a I'm bit serious. Of a Let's not do this round again. Uh, my my numbers are in order. Plus the column, just to take it's it up. It's crazy stuff. It's not my. Um, it's not my problem. Uh, what are the years? Different years, but the same idea for European oh, Champions Cup winners. You don't hear Bradley winners. Walsh saying that I didn't write the questions on the chase. Come on, own it. Uh, European yeah. Champions Cup winners and runners up from 2000, 2010. <laughs> 2000 why aren't these years in order so uh, 2010 2020 2004 2004 2014 <laughs> Jesus 2009 okay uh, first up is Will please Will let's go quickly uh, so hold on uh, 2010 2020 2004 2014 2009 yes please one of those years uh, 2009 is Leinster Northampton no so, so no, 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 but no, 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 no. Well, it's, no, it's gone now. That's no, off the no, table. No, it can't be gone. It's gone. No, no, it's off can't the table. be gone. That it has is. to be it's still off. alive. No, it's not. okay. You That's can only cool. give me the runner-up, though. You can't get a point for the winner. So, do you want to take one point? Like possibly. <laughs> um, also, I've just said it, so surely yeah, you can't. I didn't hear anything, but uh, I've it written down in front of me here anyway. Um, I'll take the point, Leicester. Yeah, correct. <laughs> okay, and then you. Mick. I'll take. Uh, I'll take. 2000 yeah and I'm worried about it uh, but I'm pretty sure that was Northampton and Munster correct there we go Mick is in the lead Ooh. with 7 points it's Will on 6 points Adrian on 4 points as we enter round 3 which is the actual pass the parcel of Doom was, round uh, back to normality back to some bigger quality quizzing in this round you give me a name that's on a list of names and a parcel of parcel of Doom passes on to the next contestant <laughs> who, then, who then has to give me a name we will keep moving through the list until one of you gives me an incorrect answer at which point that person will be eliminated and then when two of you are eliminated the last person standing gains a point shout out to Merv Scanlon from Cork City the Puffin Postcard who suggested this week's questions Adrian can you name a player on the list of the top 20 Premier League goal scorers of all time yeah <laughs> Thierry Henry correct okay Mick you're next Wayne Rooney yeah Will Alan Shearer Alan Shearer is correct Adrian Harry Kane Harry Kane is correct Mick Sergio Aguero Sergio Aguero is there Uh, Fernando Torres no you're Mm. out Will Adrian Uh, Rude no Rude Van Nistelrooy yes. not in the top 20 Mick I meant Rude Van Persie <laughs> <laughs> uh, the ones he didn't get Nicholas Nelke Andy Cole Jermaine Defoe Les Ferdinand Robbie Fowler Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank Stephen Gerrard Robbie Keane Frank Lampard Michael Owen Mo Salah Teddy Sheringham Robin Van Persie Jamie Vardy and Dwight York Mick can you name a world snooker champion since and including 1982 yes Dennis Taylor Dennis Taylor is correct Will Ronnie O'Sullivan. Ronnie O'Sullivan. Ken Darty. Yeah. Steve Davis. Yeah. Stephen Hendry. Correct. Mark Williams. Yeah. 
Uh, John Parrott. Yeah. John Higgins. John Higgins, yeah. Mark Selby. Mark Selby, yeah. Um. Joe Trump. Yeah. Damn it. Sean Murphy. Yeah, that's correct. Um. Tony Drago. No, that's Tony Drago. I had Trump. Make make uh, Trump is my last one. <laughs> is it my go? Yeah. Uh, Peter Ebden. Peter Ebden is correct. Oh. I don't know if he won or just lost finals. This is dodgy one. Graham Dot. Graham Dot is correct. Great shot. Great shot. Um. Can't be many left on, is there? Four left. Did like your man Bingham win one? Bingham. Correct. Stuart Bingham. <sighs> Stuart Bingham, yeah. Three left. Will, can he get one? Uh, Robertson? Yeah. Damn it. Neil Robertson is a world yeah, champion. I don't have no clue after this, There's so good luck, left. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Um. Oh. Uh, 1982 it starts, is it? Yeah. Ray Reardon? No, but there is one obvious one that you're missing. Bill Warburnick. Alex Higgins. Oh, Higgins won the 82. And Joe Johnson was the other name. God, that was very well so, done by all three of us, let's say. Will, will get the point. Uh, Tony Drago, I completely eliminated all good answers you had. Uh, will, you're kicking us off on this one. Can you name a Formula One world champion since and including 1992? Uh, Michael Schumacher. Yes, that's correct. Adrian. Um, Lewis Hamilton yeah Max Verstappen yeah Sebastian Vettel yes that's correct you well here uh, Damon Hill yeah Fernando Alonso correct Raikkonen yeah um, Nigel Mansell Nigel Mansell yeah sorry I thought that, that was I got himself and Damon Hill mixed up there for a sec uh, correct Senna no 93 Prost I meant no 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 <laughs> uh, Freudian slip yeah yeah no Mick sorry Will I actually did mean oh, no. Prost oh. yeah it's Will next can I go for Alan Prost then? you can indeed ah, that would be correct ludicrous. cheers Mick <laughs> David Coulthard no Will gets the point Will ties it up with Mick they're on 8 points apiece I had more I had more I had Hackenden yeah Hackenden Jensen Button Nico Rosberg and Jacques Villeneuve were Killed the ones yeah. you didn't get so round 4 is the fun free magic number round contestants get 3 points for getting the number exactly right if no one manages that the nearest contestant who doesn't go bust gets 2 points the second closest gets 1 point I'm going to say that we can only accept the answer that's written on your paper and I'm also going to have to ask for your pens once the music ends so give us the following number the number of World Snooker Championship titles now won by Ronnie O'Sullivan, plus the number of points the Dublin footballers conceded in their Leinster Championship opener against Wexford last week, plus the number of times Munster have played in a Heineken Cup quarter-final, plus the number of times Real Madrid have won the European Cup slash Champions League. Your 30 seconds experiments and actress sings Bright Shiny Beats. 
So, the number of World Snooker Championship titles Ronnie O'Sullivan has won. The number of points Dublin footballers conceded last week in the Leinster Championship. The number of times Munster have played a Heineken Cup quarterfinal. And how many times have Real Madrid won the Champions League slash uh, Champions, Champions League slash European Cup? Okay, what have we got, Mick? 41. 41. Adrian? 35. 35. I have a bad feeling I've gone bust. 44. You have gone bust. Mick is closest. It's 42. Mick gets oh, two points. Adrian gets it. one point. Um, is it 18 for Munster? It's 18 for Munster. I had 17. I, had a, I knew I had the rest of them right. Damn it. Um, yeah, uh, so let's go through these. The number of World Snooker Championship titles won by Ronnie O'Sullivan is seven. Seven, yeah. Uh, the number of points Dublin football has conceded is four. Munster have played in 18 Heineken Cup quarterfinals and Real Madrid have won the European 13. Cup slash Champions League 13 times. That's a total of 42, which brings Mick to 10 points. Will, you're on 8 points. Adrian, you're on 5. Our final tonight will be decided in the round that separates the men from the boys, the Rodrigos from the Rod Littles. It's an old team in particular, ridiculously easy rapid fire round. The score you get in this round will be added to your score in the previous round. I was in a hurry. There will be 40 seconds for everyone to answer from the same set of questions. Uh, we'll start with, as I say, Mick, then on to Will, then on to Adrian. If you get a question correct, I keep asking questions until you get one wrong. And then when you get one wrong, you get deducted a point and I move on to the next person. So, Mick McCarthy, are you ready? Let's go. Your 40 seconds starts now. In what year did Cork last beat Kerry in the Munster Senior Football Championship? 2020. Correct. Who is the Bournemouth manager? Uh, um, pass. Too long. Scott Parker. Glenn Whelan is currently playing for what club, Will? Oof, uh, Fleetwood? No, Bristol Rovers. Who was the last Real Madrid manager before this current Ancelotti stint, Adrian? Zidane. Correct. Jason Malumbi is currently signed to what club? Wigan. No, it's West Brom. Like what nationality is Luis Diaz, uh, Mick? Colombia. Correct. Who are all Ireland club football champions? Uh, what did he say? No. No, uh, no, pass. Come on. He passed. So that's minus one. Down. So uh, I think I know. I think you're fine. That's you. You stay on ten points because uh, you got two correct, two wrong, and Will, you just got one wrong. So that brings you down to seven. So yeah, Mick, you are the oh. winner. But Congratulations, Mick McCarthy. Kilku. <laughs> Kilku is correct. Yeah, you could have picked up the, the, the scrap. Three in a row. Yeah, yeah, we're all delighted for you. Do you have anything else to say? <laughs> that was my worst performance of the season so far. I kind of just went over the line on experience and uh, nous and so on. So, <laughs> so on and myself. so forth. Yeah. Can we never have that second round ever? Yeah, honestly, again? I, I mean, I, I didn't I mind. Strongly it. suggest if, we never go back there again. If we had the, if we had the years in order, I think we would have liked it a little bit more. It's a, we, we, as you can hear, we're a, a workplace of great growth here and off the ball. We're not going to, you know, take Column aside and say, listen, you could tweet this or tweet that. We're like, no, just never bring us a quiz round ever again, Column. But it'd be too awkward to say to him after the show because it'll get a bit sort of touchy. Whereas we can just say to him now while we're on air in public. It was yeah, brutal. Yeah. Let's never do it again. Glass between us. OTBAM like brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. You can follow off the ball across all our social platforms. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download the OTB Sports app to enjoy the latest and best in sports content and analysis. OTBAM back Monday morning where Jer and myself will be joined by Anthony Moyles discussing the weekend's football. Alan Quinlan reviewing the Champions Cup quarterfinals. And Arsenal legend Paul Merson will be with us for a Premier League run-in chat and, of course, the performance rankings. OTB AM With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.